Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. From third base, lifted in the air, left center. Goodbye, Paul Goldschmidt. 11 games with a hit in a row. And use that part of the field. How about the seats? Out of here! Way out of here. DeYoung is red hot. Lucky number 13 on the year. 1-0. Say two pitch. Fly ball into center. Bader has it. The Cardinals take two of three. They win it. Two to one, and that's 24 straight saves to begin the career of Alex Reyes without a blown save, a historic save here at Bush. And a historic weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. They win two out of three. Maybe not historic. That might be pushing things a little bit. Let's pump the brakes there a little bit, BK. (laughs) They won two out of three against the Giants. It was an objectively good weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals. They open up the second half by giving you a little bit of excitement, giving you something as a Cardinals fan to latch on to once again. And guys, forget about the win losses. Forget about what the production was, pitching, hitting, all there were two guys that go by the same name that should give you your optimism moving forward. It's Paul Goldschmidt. It's Paul DeYoung with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario back. We are back. We are back. We are Here getting done ESPN. Paul DeYoung this month is now batting 378. Paul Goldschmidt this month is now batting 391. Those guys both have 40 and 54 plate appearances respectively. Alex, this is why, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're optimistic right now, I'm not going to pee in your Cheerios this morning. Oh, who's peeing in whose Cheerios right now? That's not how you make good breakfast cereal. DeYoung and Goldie are, in a lot of ways, the keys to this offense moving forward. If you can get those guys going at the same time as Arenado in one other piece, whether that be Carlson or O'Neal or whoever, if you can get four guys going at any given point in time, that's how this team gets back on track over the next month or so. Well, Paul DeYoung right now has got the uh, the perfect BK and Ferrario opposite bump because we've been talking bad about him for so long, right. and now he's about to go off and show everybody what he really means to this Cardinals Atta boy. team, just like T-Bone expected him to. No, you're right. You, you need one more element right now, but 
you've been missing the element that was Paul Goldschmidt and Paul DeYoung. It's what I've been saying for the last month and a half for this team. You get one piece that's contributing, then you get another piece that's contributing. It just hasn't all connected yet, right? Like connect four, you've gotten three, but then that last one comes in and you're like, damn you. Cats game every time. Every time. And then you quit and you throw the board and you say, I'm never playing this again. Whoa, that got personal. Yeah, my wife doesn't like playing games with me. But anyway. <laughs> I wonder why. I, I think as much as, you know, it's... Wonder what happened on that vacation. <laughs> look, look, Monopoly games have been thrown. People have been called bad names. Did you get sent home early. No, I am still married. So no. there's no... no as far as we know, separate, Yeah, that's true for right now, at least. But look, we talk so much, Sunshine and Lollipops, of the, of the second half Cardinals, right? Oh, this is where they make the run. And Nolan Arenado's talking about going to a wild card game. It might come true, but you need that one extra piece. Hopefully they can start to connect right now. And you're looking at Nolan Arenado to get back to the form he was right before the All-Star break, which I know it's only been three games. So let's pump the brakes once again. But you got Dylan Carlson, who's in this mix, who's going to find a way to turn things around for you. You got Tommy Edmond, who can be that piece. Yadier Molina, they have a strong lineup, but it's all come down to Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt. And Paul DeYoung's the bigger one, in my opinion, because it's a trickle-down effect. He plays well. Your bench gets stronger because as Mundo Sosa is on yep. it, which is the biggest piece that has been lacking for the Cardinals this season. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 314. Guys, you're the best. Forget the losing record. Let's look at the small sample size, and then the World Series championship patches will be on the Cardinals. Again, Here we go, boys. I don't understand it because when I was saying that the Cardinals were struggling two weeks ago, I was called the D-bag. This guy's just negative. Why can't you be positive for a Cardinals win? I'm trying to, man. They've won two series. They split one with the Cubs. The rain out. I'll just say that the Cardinals won that one. So you could claim they won that. So they've won three series in a row. Yeah. What the hell, guys? I have no issue with saying that they had a good weekend and also keeping in mind in perspective. Hey, yeah, there's still nine games back in the division because the Brewers, those damn Brewers, man, those Brewers up in Milwaukee. What the hell? They just keep winning, and it's infuriating. Willie Adamas is really hitting in the three-hole for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep, and he's been awesome. Un- unreal. He's been unbelievable unreal. for him. Uh, meanwhile, you are, speaking of Nolan Ar- Arenado's wish of playing in the wild card game, you are now just seven and a half back of the Padres in the wild card We're standings. coming for you, Tatis can, Jr. Can I throw something a little crazy at you? No. Oh, God. What, you what already are you put doing? somebody it, in the circle of trust? No. We'll do that no, later. We'll do oh, it later. God. What happened? Is it possible it could be easier to catch the wild card than the Brewers? Uh, And the reason I say that is because those teams are going to beat the hell out of each other. So can I tell you why you're wrong? No, look, I didn't say I was wrong. I didn't say I was right. I was just saying I'm throwing a little something crazy out there. Let's spice it up on a little Monday here. Here's why I I disagree with the assessment. What I'm not going to say BK that you're wrong. Disagrees with you, huh? but you called me an idiot. Did he did. I heard him you're in the hallway. Wrong, He's like, this guy's but terrible. The Cardinals have 10 games head-to-head against the Brewers in the last month of the season. Okay, well, you think they're going to win 9 of 10? Well, that that's why I think it's easier to catch the Brewers in the division. they tied for first. Because you have know. those games that basically count as the two Dodgers games. The Dodgers are without here. their two best pitchers. They might start falling off the... Uh, Man, they're about to trade flat for Earth. Scherzer and DeGrom and everybody they're trade else. They're for DeGrom? Yeah, while he's on the I.L. It's Maybe John Nagowski will go there and become a Hall of Famer. Well, it's already, already happening. Oh, sorry about that. Well, it's hard. Not, not, I think it's still going to be, be easier to be able to catch the Brewers than it would be either the Dodgers or the Padres because of the head-to-head matchups. Now, record-wise, it might be easier before like August 17th when you start playing the Brewers head-to-head. It might feel easier to catch the Padres. They might end up with a better record at that point. But 
um, I think head to head, it's going to be a little easier to catch. Hey, I agree. I was just doing what's that guy's name where he like does a little sprinkle off the elbow. Salt Bay. Yeah, I was just doing one of those. <laughs> Added on a Monday here, doing a little, a little spice, doing a little emerald. Bam. Yeah. Something like that. You have so, no idea who Emerald is, do you? No. Didn't what think what so. was that reference? Do you hear him say, yeah, when oh, <laughs> he, was, he acted You know about when he lies, don't you? He's like, yeah, totally. Just move on, guys. So Paul DeYoung, Paul Goldschmidt, their reasons to get excited. You know what What else is exciting? Is Alex Reyes being literally the most productive closer to start his career in the history of the sport. Think about that for a minute. But what you just said, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, I mean, we've seen incredible ones in Bruce Suter and Lee Smith. And he is the most productive closer in the history of the yep. game. He broke a record over the weekend, 24 straight saves to start his career. More than anybody's ever done it before. Latroy Hawkins previously held that record. Alex Reyes tied that with him on Saturday and then broke it on Sunday. It's an unbelievable achievement. And it goes back to the question that we have asked a few times now, guys. Does this make it more difficult to put him into the rotation when you know he's quite literally one of, if not the best closer in baseball right now? Like, full stop. That is where he's headed right now is being one of the best closers in the game. My answer is still no. I would still feel totally comfortable putting him into the rotation. I would still argue for it right now when they're putting Jake Woodford back into the rotation tonight. He'll get the start against the Cubs. He'll be great. I would rather have Reyes getting that start, but I'm going to lose that argument, so there's no reason to have it right now. Next year, despite all of the success that we've seen from him in the closer role, if he continues staying healthy and he continues producing this way the way that he has, and there's no reason to believe that won't be the case, I'm putting him into my rotation day one and feeling really good about it, man. Uh, I'm with you, BK. Now, I don't think there should be ever a consideration this season. Like, I think that that is should be out of people's minds right now because he is the most productive closer. He's an all-star. He is the closer for the Cardinals. And if you want any success in terms of a postseason run, you need him along with Gallegos and Cabrera. You need Latino Heat at its best. But next season... There's no second guessing it. He is in my rotation next year. You have a perfect amount of time to go into an offseason and say, Reyes, get stretched out. Get those pitches in. A little tinfoil Ferrario for you guys. Oh boy. I, know. I wasn't ready. I, really I was back. gone for a week, guys. I'm, I'm raring to go. I think this was a confidence builder for the Cardinals with Reyes, just as much as it was a matter of making sure his arm was healthy enough. Yeah. Like He's been out for so long. I mean, this guy broke his hand punching a wall from frustration. This was the Cardinals saying, hey, man, you're incredible. You go out there and show Major League Baseball why you are who you are, and we're going to put you in the rotation next year. Just take this season and run with it, and he's doing it. Man, I think there might be something to that because hearing Alex Reyes talk yesterday after the game, after he broke that record, he was asked, you know, what's the biggest difference for you as a reliever compared to when you were coming up as a starter? And I mentioned this earlier today with Danny Mack. His answer, I thought, was pretty insightful. He said, you know, when I'm coming in as a reliever, if I don't have the feel for my curveball or my chain, whatever it is, you know, on any given day, if I just don't have a feel for a pitch, I just set that aside that day as a reliever. I don't throw it because I know it's going to get hit or I don't have a whole lot of conviction in that th in that pitch that day. So I'll put it aside and hopefully I've got it the next time I come out. As a starter, you don't you're not afforded that luxury. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a pitch or two pitches on any given day, well, you just got to find a way to battle through it, right? Mm -hmm. And you, so you find a way to get through five, six, seven innings. And I think that's something that if you're the Cardinals, you've got to be pretty excited about is this year he's learned to pitch with conviction. He's learned to pitch with confidence. 
So next year, the question is going to be, can he make that adjustment then when he doesn't have a pitch on any given day? Can he still find a way to get through five, six, seven innings without giving up four, five, six runs and getting so many walks? That's been the issue for him as a closer at times. The other thing, Alex, looking forward, projecting him as a starter, I'm looking at the list of guys that I think could be in the rotation next year. There are two that I have more confidence in than with Alex Reyes as a starter. Two. Jack Flaherty would be one. Carlos Martinez, number two. Wayno would be number two. You're confident that he's going to be there? If he's back, I'm confident that he will be a consistent high-level starter for this team. I was going to say, because I'm not even confident he'll be back. But yeah, if that's the way you're going with it, I'm with you on that. I don't know with Hudson. I don't know with Michaelis. I have no idea what you can expect out of Thompson or Libertor next year. Alex Reyes would be my third highest level of confidence. And to clarify here for you, Alex, mm-hmm. please that do. if he's in the rotation, he will give you consistent, solid starts. He'd yep. be my third most confident starter. So he's absolutely got to be at least penciled in. Maybe he's not in pin, penciled in as a starter going into next year. From what I'm seeing right now, he's my number two starter. Like, that's what I know. Wayno has been incredible. And yes, you put him as a number two, however you want to look at it. But like Reyes is going to be number two right behind Jack Flaherty for the stuff that we have seen this season and how he's been able to navigate through tough situations. I'm pretty confident in Dakota Hudson because of having the year off. And I know it's Tommy John. I'm also pretty confident in Miles Michaelis because hopefully the Cardinals are going to take their time with this one, but we'll find out on the rehab stint. I don't think he has his right arm anymore. <laughs> he does. Don't. It's still there. It's still oh, there. He's the lizard. Picks and bubble gum, but it's it's still oh, there. He's the lizard king, guys. It's still there. He can fight through this. But you're right. I mean, I need a little bit more assurance in my rotation next year, and I think that's what Reyes offers. Although, from the three one four. Trade Alex Reyes for the entire oh. Orioles franchise right now. Do it. That's a good well, point. You, they you do get develop your guy John Means. I think that was your guy. <laughs> you know my fe- no. you know my feeling on a Orioles rotation. Not f- yeah, you're Fantastic. the one that says that they they no, develop they're terrible. starters. Uh, they they throw a no hitter against the Cardinals. Isn't Alex the one that's been saying the the Orioles all they do is develop good no, starters. That's me. No, Tanner, I think that was Alex. Tanner wore I'm pretty sure a damn that was Alex. Orioles shirt to the sh- the show a couple weeks ago. It's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's good to have the game back gang back in studio. Coming up at twelve, we'll talk with our guy Greg Wasinski, ESPN's NHL insider. I got to get his opinion on this Carey Price stuff. Uh, we'll talk Vladdy Tarasenko with him as well. But Carey Price was exposed in the expansion draft, and I frankly do not understand it. So we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski about it coming up at noon. Katie Wu, our Cardinals insider, coming up at 1130. But coming up next, let's talk a little bit about Vlad- Vladimir Tarasenko. I haven't gotten Alex Ferrario's thoughts on this yet. And there is some explosive audio from a national NHL insider about explosive. where Vladimir Tarasenko could go. You might be surprised by this. You'll hear it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll talk to our Cardinals insider, Katie Wu. You can find her work over at The Athletic. She does fantastic work. She will tell us why the Cardinals are getting ready to win a World Series championship. Whoa. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. You're supposed to be negative about them. So over the weekend, we got officially got word. Vladimir Tarasenko, not on the protected list. Dun, dun, dun. He's going to be exposed in the expansion draft. Seattle will have an opportunity to take him. They will also have an opportunity to take Vince Dunn. And Zach Sanford. 
They could do that as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is technically a possibility. Tory Krug, Justin Falk, Colton Pareko were your defensemen that were protected. Of course, Jordan Bennington's going to be protected. And it's all the forwards we expected. And then you can add in Ivan Barbashev as well. Yeah. So this leaves us with the Vladimir Tarasenko question. What's next? Because there's a freeze among the league right now until Wednesday's expansion draft. Nobody can make any moves other than Seattle between now and the expansion draft. They're allowed to talk to unrestricted free agents. They're allowed to figure out who they want to take in this draft. So Frank Saravalli of what is it? The Daily Daily Faceoff.com. He had a really interesting podcast over the weekend on Vladimir Tarasenko and what his future holds. Could he be selected in the expansion draft by Seattle? There were rumblings over the weekend that the Flyers have some sort of deal or will have some sort of deal in place with the Kraken to get them to take Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis and flip him to Philly. I don't know what all that would cost. And I think that there may be a Robert Hag selection involved here. So maybe they take Robert Hag and they trade a first and Jacob Borachek to Seattle (sighs) in exchange for Vladimir Tarasenko coming back the other way after the draft. But um, I think that's that's the word on the street at the moment. Hang on a minute. So Seattle's going to select Tarasenko. Mm -hmm. It's part one. And then Philly's going to say, hey, you give us Tarasenko and we'll trade you Jacob Voracek and a first round draft pick for Vladdy and his seven and a half million dollars just so you select this guy off of our roster. Correct. And you're telling me Armstrong couldn't pull a deal off with Philly before this for a guy that, you know, who over here mentioned Jakob Voracek before. But now he's just going to be lost and he's going to help another team get a couple of great players? Can I play the other side for you? No, don't. I think Army was right. I think he was right to do this. If you end up losing Vladimir Tarasenko in the expansion draft and get nothing for him, that's actually being a little short-sighted in the way that this would work. You don't have to take back the $8.25 million in Voracek's contract. But you're getting a former Selkie Trophy winner and a guy who has scored 25 goals multiple times in his career. I'll take Landeskog. Okay. You can have Voracek. Well, Landis- I'll take Landeskog. Landeskog's awesome, but we aren't sure that Landeskog's going to be available at Maybe free you're agency. Not. I'm speaking it into existence. Oh. In my mind, Man, wow. I am getting Gabriel Landeskog, and so with the cap space that I'm getting, do, does it suck that I'm not getting potentially a any sort of a haul in return. I'm not getting an asset for Vladimir Tarasenko. Absolutely, that stinks. But if, and I would assume this is the case, if Doug Armstrong's looking at this saying, the asset that I'm getting for Vladimir Tarasenko is the money. I'm able to go s- flip that money that I would otherwise have to get back in return in Voracek. I'm going to be able to use that for Gabriel Landeskog. If he's available. When he's available. I am going to go sign him, and we are going to have a top line that can compete with anybody in the NHL. If that's the plan, I think he's right. Now, if that doesn't come to fruition, it is a massive swing and a miss. And that happens, but when you go when you go big fish hunting, don't think you'd hunt big game me. hunting? Big game hunting? Yikes, someone's never played that game before. <laughs> this, is, this is what you have to do, and it does require some possibilities of swinging and missing. Yeah, and I understand that. And look, a lot of people texting in Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Oh, expose Vladdy. You don't need the cap space. Look, that's the best part about this, that there's seven and a half million dollars mm-hmm. that you're getting off of your books to spend elsewhere and make your team better. 
But here's the problem. You're going to give him up for nothing. And I know Jeremy Rutherford, who has done phenomenal reporting through all of this, he had a piece out a couple of days ago talking about how, according to sources, you know, teams didn't offer the Blues what Doug Armstrong wanted for Vladimir Tarasenko. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's just smoke right now. For me, I got to believe that Doug Armstrong has a plan because we've seen it before. You don't just go into this without a plan and expose Vladdy and lose a guy who could potentially score 40 goals next season. But if your plan is to make a run at Gabriel Landeskog and without without any assurance that you're going to get him, because look, as much as you think and the rumors are that he's connected with O'Reilly, I'm the biggest fan of this. But there will be 30 other teams that are saying, oh, Landis Gog, you fit here. We'll give you $9.5 million to come play for us. Yikes, we will not give you 10. (laughs) Do not do that. Then what? And I think that's the bigger issue. But if we're going to go down the path of just getting rid of Vladimir Tarasenko, don't view whatever Seattle does with him as a what-the-hell army. You got to wait till the offseason plays itself out. Because on Wednesday, it could look like a terrible move by Doug Armstrong. But come two weeks from Wednesday, it could look like a genius move by Doug, Doug Armstrong. And that's where I'm at. I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I, I do think it's possible that he ends up regretting the fact that he didn't take whatever he was offered prior to the expansion draft, Doug Armstrong, for Vladimir Tarasenko. I think that's very much in play, that this becomes a regret three months from now. It's also in play that he played this perfectly. And Vladimir Tarasenko, nobody was offering what he wanted for him. And the best asset you could get is the cap space. You get the seven and a half million that you're able to spend this offseason and you go get maybe it's not Gabriel Landeskog. Maybe it is three different pieces and you're able to get Jamie Alexiak for the back end. You keep Vince Dunn, you flip him for an asset and then you're able to go get uh, Matthew Kachuk next offseason and everything's hunky dory, right? That's possible. It could blow up in your face. And that's some of the realities of the way that they're having to build this offseason. I would also ask you this, Alex. We talked about this a little bit last week with Jeremy Rutherford. If Landis Gog is going to get eight, eight and a half million dollars, let's say it is that uh, that Voracek contract. He signed eight years, $66 million. It's $8.25 million per year, something like that. And he gets the no movement clause. Army concedes on that. He says, you know what? It's worth it. We got to do this eventually. That probably takes you out of the Matthew Kachuk sweepstakes next year, right? Does it? I mean, are you going to pay three guys north of $8 million? Because that's what it's going to require. Because Ryan O'Reilly is going to get that here pretty soon, too. Depends. Three guys north of $8 million, all with a no move. Yeah. That's tough. But how good does your team look with Landeskog and Matthew Kachuk? Looks great. But that's also $25 million on your cap sheet for three players when the cap is going to be stagnant for the, at least the next couple of years. Yeah. That's tough. I, I mean, I'm with you. It's tough, and it does not look good in terms of a cap era where it's going to be a flat cap for a couple more years. And look, as much as you want Matthew Kachuk and Gabriel Landeskog, it would be incredible. But there are contracts that you might be able to move. You know, maybe you look at Tory Krug and say, okay, does this contract make sense right now? You know, Marco Scandella's contract. Maybe you take that $3 million elsewhere. David Perron will be coming off. Maybe that's no, a little cheaper. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying as he's, if he's a UFA, maybe he's cheaper than what okay. he's making right now. No, right. Perron's not going anywhere, guys. But you do have Pareko to sign. You will have Thomas and Cairo who will be looking, depending on what this contract looks like as a restricted free agent. Barbashev's going to get paid a little bit more. It's not going to be easy to make that work but never second-guess Doug Armstrong. If you go after Gabriel Landeskog, though, to me, that signifies you don't feel confident that you'd be able to get Matthew Kachuk. This year. This year. But it also, I think it does take you out of the running unless you can navigate through this. 
Now, if Landeskog signs some, t- some type of deal, and look, this would have to be like car salesman-esque, like, hey, buy this pizza junk for us because we'll give it to you on a great cost. If he sells it to Landeskog, like, hey, you can you can beat Colorado, sign a nice deal with us, play with your boy Ryan O'Reilly, you guys go yeah, out there and put together. Money. And then <laughs> Matthew Kachuk comes in like, oh, let's win the cup again, boys. Yeah, he's getting his money. He's getting his money. Yeah, Landeskog's going to get eight plus mil if he ends up getting to the open. Landeskog is, is becoming a lot more clearer right now. And in my opinion, if if Colorado doesn't make some type of significant change from now until free agency in a couple of weeks, to hit the market and if he hits the market st louis is number one on his list and i think he's going to get a lot of money and i think that's that's a potential match made in heaven and it all starts with this vladimir tarasenko move as much as as it's going to be frustrating if seattle does take him and you see him flipped for something of significance which will be what this trade is give it a few weeks at a minimum give it a few weeks Mm -hmm. and if if army is not able to make good on this cap space the use of this cap space then we can criticize But in the here and now, let's see how this plan develops before we start being critical of what he's going to do with it. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Coming up next, let's talk to our friend, our Cardinals insider for The Athletic, Katie Wu, as she tells us, I'm sure of it, why the Cardinals are about to start the road to the World Series. Katie Wu next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. The gang is all back in studio and right now we are very happy. I think this is the first time we've had everybody in studio and we've had Katie Wu on for her weekly hit in like a month and a half. I think that's it's actually been a very minute. True. Katie's had to sub in for each of us like three <laughs> times since she started with the Cardinals. Katie, how you doing today? Full squad. I love it. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Katie Wu is joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Of course, you can find her work over at The Athletic. You should follow her on Twitter. She's at Katie J. Wu. Katie, I've been teasing your segment all day long as saying she's going to uh, explain to us why the Cardinals will begin their path tonight to the World Series. So can you go ahead and sell us on that? Okay, look, that, that's a lot of pressure. Um, and I can I can be as optimistic as possible there, but I don't know. I don't know, guys. There's still a lot this team has to prove, and they know that, and I think everyone knows that. Well, we put a lot of pressure you on, on ready, Katie, because BK wants you to explain how they're going to be World Series champs, and T-Bone's over here trying to get you to put everybody back into the circle of trust. So I'm just going to throw an easier one at you. <laughs> explain to us why you feel Reyes could be an option for the Cardinals as a starter next season for how great of a season he's having right now. If you believe that. If you believe that. Maybe you don't. You know, that's a really good point. I think what Alex Reyes has done this season is just remarkable. I mean, what a tremendous story. He's been able to come out and be an absolute lights-out weapon in the ninth inning for the Cardinals. And all signs point to the Cardinals, you know, putting him back in the rotation next year. And I think it's a good problem to have when you look at your, your bullpen and you look at your closer situation and say, well, dang, we have a really good closer right now. Do we really want him to start? But I do think that he'll start. He certainly has the stuff. We've seen it. He has the, the high leverage. He has that slider. And I think as the Cardinals have found out um, many times this season, they can never have too much starting pitching. So any kind of viable option they can find, they're going to slot into the rotation for next year. But it certainly is fun to think, like, well, wow, the Cardinals have such a, an electric option in the ninth inning. 
And now that option could potentially be, you know, a higher rotation option come 2022. So I personally do not think that we talk about Alex Reyes enough, you know, hopefully for the Cardinals' sake. If they start winning these games in the second half and make the push like they think they're going to, Alex Reyes will get even more of a deserved spotlight because what he and Genesis Cabrera and Giovanni Gallegos have been able to do has just been, I think, the highlight of this Cardinal season. We're talking to Katie Wu here on 101 ESPN. All right, Katie, in all seriousness, the Cardinals do have some pitching questions over the next couple of days. Jake Wood for going tonight. I think Johan Oviedo will be the starter tomorrow. What is your sense on where the Cardinals are at right now with their rotation? Do you think they're they're confident that they can make it through to whenever Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty are ba- are back with what they have currently, or do you still anticipate that a move is at least in play for this team before the deadline? You know, this is a good question and one that I feel like the answer changes to every day. When we talked to President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak on Friday. He said it's not a question of whether the Cardinals are going to be buyers or sellers. He does not think, given with even with all the rotation issues, that the Cardinals will be sellers. He said it's very hard to imagine they'll get to that point. The question is, are they going to be buyers or are they going to be holders? And a lot of that will be indicative on how the rotation shapes out with these, you know, their stopgap options they have coming up. Adam Wainwright and Kwong and Kim, especially as of late, have kind of cemented themselves. Wade LeBlanc, you know you're going to get four or five solid innings, and then you can have the aforementioned bullpen come in and, and shut the door like they did on Sunday. What Jake Woodford needs to do is be able to prove he can be kind of like Wade LeBlanc and give five quality innings, scatter a couple runs here or there. He, they're not going out there and expecting Jake Woodford to, to show, shove a complete game, right? Just eat some innings, limit the damage, and let the back end of the bullpen handle handle the rest of the work. I think that's the plan for Jake Woodford. And I think that's the plan for potentially Johan Oviedo. If slash when he does start tomorrow, that hasn't been announced, but I, I'm not sure if there are any other options Hmm. right now that the Cardinals can place tomorrow. So I think they're, I think the front office is being cautiously optimistic in implementing these different kinds of experiments. We've seen a couple failed ones and now it's time for Woodford to come in. And, you know, this is a guy that has been a starter the majority of his career rose through the minor leagues as a starter, certainly has the stuff to be able to do so when he was stretched out in Memphis. He topped out at 83 pitches. That's hovering right around the 85 pitch mark the Cardinals like their starters to be at. He scattered five five innings, two runs, only one earned. And, you know, he can go out and give the Cardinals that today. I think that's all they can really ask for. So as we see the Cardinals kind of play with their options for the rotation over the next couple of weeks, I think that will be very indicative of what they do at the deadline. I still think the biggest move, and I know Cardinals fans, they, they know what I'm about to say and they're rolling their eyes. The biggest move this team can make is getting Michaelis and Flaherty back, and that's kind of how they're banking on the success of their second half. I'm also just thoroughly enjoying the fact, Katie, that you just said Jake Woodford needs to do what Wade LeBlanc just did. And yeah. raise your hand if you thought that would have been said when, the, no, not that's not true, T-Bone. Uh, speaking of Michaelis, Katie, <laughs> uh, we heard John Mozeliak talk the other day about, you know, the options of do they have him kind of regain his stuff and rehab down in the minors, but then come to the bigs and kind of keep his rehab going or do they go a little bit slower pace with him and just keep him down there to get that pitch count up? It feels like it makes the most sense to just give Michaelis as much time as possible, but it also is kind of urgency mode, isn't it, for the Cardinals? So what do you think they do with him? Yeah, again, a great point because they're kind of in this like paradigm of, of both options, like you just explained. But I think the, the biggest theme that the Cardinals have stressed with Michaelis and with Jack has been the recovery. You know, they're not going to push these guys and risk further injury because of an urgent situation. 
Um, that makes what, you know, LeBlanc and Oviedo and Woodford, what their responsibility, it makes it a little bit more dire there. But they're going to be very careful with Miles, and they're going to be very careful with Jack. And I can't see them rushing Miles through rehab just to get him up, especially if he could potentially get hurt again. I mean, we've already seen this in May, and they were very confident, and Miles was very confident he was ready to go. But, of course, you cannot simulate a, a major league environment on a rehab assignment. It's just completely different atmospheres. So I think the Cardinals will err on the side of caution there. I don't see them rushing through and being urgent with, with Miles down on his rehab assignment, which could potentially begin as early as this week, by the way. I think this will be a very much, you know, let's be cautious, let's take our time. And when he crosses all the check marks and double crosses them and maybe triple crosses them, then we'll bring them up. We're talking to Katie Wu for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Find her work over at The Athletic. You should subscribe. They have fantastic reporting over there with her on the Cardinals, with JR on the Blues. You can also find her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, if we were doing this show on Sunday after KK's start on Saturday uh, afternoon, we would probably be almost exclusively talking about him today. First of all, what was it like for you to be able to see that start with his family in the stands? And then uh, as a follow-up question to that, there were some conversations after the game about KK's future here in St. Louis. Do you think he would be an interesting uh, extension candidate after the season, given what we've seen from him so far this year? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, let's let's backtrack a little bit to having his family at, at Bush Stadium. Look, I am not one that is very, like, vocal in the press box um, with, I mean, I'm vocal about my work and my annoyance with myself, <laughs> but when it comes to like things on the field, I usually like, you know, have a couple thoughts, but don't say them, but there, I absolutely just like melted when I saw KK's family in the stands, they look so happy. I cannot even think about how emotional that, that must've been for everybody involved there. I mean, what KK had to do in 2020 come to a brand new country that does not speak his foreign language in the middle of a pandemic and not know when he can see his family again must have been, I mean, he's two, he has two young kids. Like, that must have been so difficult, I can't even fathom it. So to see them there and on the scoreboard and then for KK to deliver another gem, that was just very cool. Um, baseball aside, a very cool human moment. Um, but I think absolutely what KK has been able to do, especially over his last four starts, um, and even what he did in 2020, absolutely warrants an extension conversation. Again, the Cardinals have had their fair share of injuries and have learned again and again that you can never have too much starting pitching. Um, KK said he would like to remain a Cardinal for several years. I, he looks healthy. I know he's 32, but you know, you sign him a couple more years and, and I, I think there's no way that the Cardinals could, would not benefit from having a veteran left-hander that can go out, be efficient, pitch for the weak contact that he's patented for. And, you know, all that aside, He's really liked by his teammates, and he really likes being in St. Louis. So I absolutely think he's a candidate for an extension, and I hope that, and I believe that's something that the Cardinals will will consider. Katie, one more on pitching from me. I, I'm I'm interested if you've heard anything about this Cole Hamill situation because we saw the report of he was throwing for a lot of scouts and teams, and I know that you reported that the Cardinals were one of those teams. Have you heard anything about Cole Hamill's possibility of signing for the team? I have not heard anything about the possibility. I just know that the Cardinals are one of the reported 20 teams in attendance. So, so my speculation is that Cole Hamels fits exactly what the Cardinals are, are trying to do right now. Proven veteran guy, a proven strike thrower. We have seen firsthand how important it is for this team to be able to throw strikes. Sounds simple, but it has been something they have struggled with. Um, he's a low-risk 
adequate to high reward guy, similar to Wade LeBlanc. Um, you know, different roles, of course, with Cole Hamels being a bit more of an established starter. But, you know, both of these guys have very storied careers. They know how to win. They know how to throw strikes. Um, so my personal opinion is that that's someone that the Cardinals should target, um, especially with it looking more and more difficult to pull off something starting pitching-wise on the trade market. Final question for Katie Wu of The Athletic. Katie, what, what is the importance of this series against Chicago in your mind? I think it's very important. Um, you look at these two teams, similar records, different trajectories. The, the Cubs are, are, have declared themselves as sellers. The Cardinals have declared themselves as a second-half team that's going to make a push. Um, you throw out the rivalry aside, which is obviously very difficult to do, but this Cardinals team has much to prove, especially coming off their second series win against the best team in baseball. I mean, the Giants have the best record for a reason. They're a very good team. They hit home runs. They had very good starting pitching. The Cardinals were able to take four out of six from them. That says a lot. They have to build up on that, of course, with the Cubs, especially with a four-game series. I think this is a must-win series for them. So a lot riding on it. We'll see a lot of questions about the rotation answered with Woodford today, possibly Oviedo tomorrow. And if Wainwright and KK can continue on Wednesday and Thursday, their established success, I think that will kind of ease the nerves of a lot of these guys. And also the offense needs to step up. Now, a lot of the offense has been trending in the right direction. Paul Goldschmidt's been electric over the last month. Paul DeYoung, another guy that really needs to get going, has had a very good July. So these are all current trends that need to keep rising that over the next four days really need to be on display as they head into Cincinnati over the weekend. Well, we'll be watching the games. We'll be reading your work over at The Athletic and following you on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. We always appreciate you hopping on with us on a Monday, Katie. All the best. Enjoy this series, and we'll talk with you again next week. You guys got it. Have a good one. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Katie Wu joining us here on 101 ESPN. I agree with her assessment of this series. I think it is a must win for the Cardinals. I think you have to take three out of four in this series. And the tough part is I almost feel like tonight's kind of a must win for him going up against Alec Mills. I know Jake Woodford's on the mound, but with Oviedo tomorrow, I, actually, you know what? Let's put it a different way. I think you have to win at least one of the next two. You, you, by virtue of the math you do, but became 500 again. <laughs> One of the next two, it was three of the next four. Six, five, seven, eight, oh, zero. Comfort service text on questions happened? and answers is next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. BK, you uh, you made a real impact before that last uh, break. Three one four. According to my math, almost every series is a must win if Cardinals want to make the playoffs. Wait, go three one four. Yeah, that was that's what you said. One of two. Next two, gotta win one of two from the three one four guys. Question: My boss is a diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan. He is a super. He is super stoked to have the Nog Give father. Give that guy a hug at first base. How am I supposed to have ha- be a happy Cardinals fan knowing every single player uh, we let go of becomes a future Hall of Famer? Uh let's pump the brakes there a little bit. Remember when everyone was like, "Oh, Oscar Mercado is going to make the Cardinals look stupid." He's still in Cleveland? I don't even know anymore. He might not he be playing is. baseball anymore. Um, Remember Trevor Rosenthal like, "Oh, you didn't sign him. Look at this guy." Well, he's he, he can't pitch right now. That's fine. Just because you've had a couple of guys who are really good. Yeah, we know that this is going to be no, a this- future Hall of Fame career in the Nogfather though. No, well, we don't. We don't. We don't know that. I feel pretty confident that the Nogfather is going to be able to sustain his like 360 batting average so far. Hey, oh, okay. he's picking fights with Marcus Stroman. That's not a smart recipe for success. 
I think it is actually. I, don't I would know. go the opposite direction on e- that. E- ever since John Jankowski's batting 452 for the Pirates. My God. Yikes. Ever since uh, Rudnet Odor uh, punched what's his face, Jose Bautista, I'm a little concerned about going after That's anybody right. in baseball. That was a nasty right hook. 65780 is your comfort service exon from the 314. Guys, there's a good possibility I got dumber by listening to BK's math. Yeah, yep. that's fair. Amen to that, uh, I want to apologize to each and every person that had to listen to that, the, the finality of that last segment. Ooh, that was not my best moment on air. Apology accepted. Be Apology not accepted because my head still hurts from that math. Mine too, for what it's worth. <laughs> we know. From the 618. Hey guys, what do you think happens with the Blues in the expansion draft? If you had to predict who the Seattle Kraken take, who would you go with? Tarasenko. Especially if all these reports are true. And look, this might be a good thing for Doug, too. You might be able to find a package with Vince Dunn if they don't take him. Or you might decide to keep Vince Dunn and look elsewhere for moves. But if the rumors are true that there's teams that are calling Seattle saying, Hey, if you get Vladimir, we will take him and give you this. This is how Vegas was so successful in their first year. They selected players that other teams wanted. It was a lot of defensemen. They selected like 12 defensemen and they flipped them for draft picks. They flipped them for players and then they flipped those draft picks and players for Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone and Shea Theodore and look where they are right now. So I think it's I think all signs are pointing towards Vladimir Tarasenko and then I think all signs are pointing towards Seattle flipping Tarasenko for a player that's going to help them be successful. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Heading into the weekend, I really thought that Vince Dunn was the guy and I, I thought the Blues might leave Vladdy unprotected but I didn't see that Seattle would take him and then be able to flip him because the Blues weren't getting or it appeared the Blues weren't getting much traction on a deal but now that the rumors are coming out i i really do believe that vladdy's gonna be the one taken on what is it wednesday that the Mm -hmm. draft is i think he's gonna be taken on wednesday and then flipped i'm still gonna stick with vince don i i think this might be there's a lot of smoke on the vladimir tarasenko front i just wonder if there's fire to it i will find out 72 ish hours away from that i guess or 48 hours away from that my math Yikes. is just, Dude, just really, stop. really struggling Yikes. today. I, even, I can't even play the take two sounder because you might mess up then. Oh, boy. It's math. Um, we are two days away from the expansion draft. By the way, we're going to have an NHL expansion draft show no right way. here on 101 ESPN. Who's hosting it? I'm not going to tell you how many hours away it is, but it's yeah. two days from now. And Alex Ferrario is the host of that Get show. Get the heck out of here. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Alex, right. what, what do we have planned for that? Oh, we got so much planned. We're hoping to have David Piranha part of the show. Oh, nice. Possibly Piranha. Doug Armstrong. And basically, we are going to be breaking down what's going on in the offseason, what's going on with the selections, possibly what goes on with Tarasenko, and then through the picks, we're going to be talking about those as well. So it's going to be a full night of expansion draft talk and Blues offseason I would talk. love to call in for a segment. I'd love for you to call in for a segment, but you might do math on the show, and we don't want to make our, <laughs> our listeners any dumber. From the 573, Who BK can, can say that. That's not nice, man. Jeez. Good point, though. BK, can I have the <laughs> rights to your not my best moments on air segments? Because I really think that would sell. Hey, if you're a company, you need to come on board. We're still looking for a fence company for a daily yeah. hit of BK and Ferrario sitting on the fence. If you have a fence company, we, we would love to hear from uh, you. You know what? We'll come up with a great uh, company to use. Not my best moments on air because we do have a lot of them. <laughs> and the, the one to get away, like S- Southwest Airlines is going to be. Yeah, but you BKO the entire airline. They're yeah, not going to do yeah. that. That's a good point. That's a really well, hey, good point. You flew successfully last time, right? Are we sure? Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Are too. We sure? I don't know. We I found never... a way to make it back from Jacksonville. It was up in the air, but we did 
find a way to make he it. He took through. a picture of him on the beach, and I'm like, man, did you just BKO the beach too? <laughs> Enough. Because Florida did have you. to deal with the hurricane stuff. So. Coming up in Yikes. about 15 minutes or so, how do Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty play into the Cardinals' deadline plans? We'll talk about that coming up at 12:15. Coming up next, though, NHL insider for ESPN. He's Greg Wyshynski. He's going to tell us who he expects the Kraken to take from the Blues in the expansion draft. Greg Wyshynski is next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when we're joined by Greg Wyshynski. He's the senior NHL writer at ESPN.com. He's the co-host of the Puck Soup podcast, and you can find him on Twitter at his last name, Wyshynski. Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Uh, my pleasure. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you. So let's start with kind of an open-ended expansion draft question. When you saw the protected list, what were the biggest surprises for you of the guys that were not listed on those lists? As far as guys that were protected? Were not protected. Who was the biggest surprise that was left available in the expansion draft for you? Oh, it'd be Carey Price, 1 billion percent. I mean, you know, that's the story of the weekend. The Montreal Canadiens goalie waving his no-move clause to be uh, exposed in the expansion draft ostensibly so they could keep backup goalie Jake Allen around. But the more you dig into it, the more you understand that, you know, Carey Price has some strong ties to the Pacific Northwest, to the Seattle area. And I think it's one of those deals where it's like, all right, if it doesn't work out, if they don't want to take on $10.5 million for a goalie uh, that may or may not have some health issues, then I stay in Montreal where I've been, you know, uh, happily a star for my entire career, or it's on to uh, more interesting times with the uh, Seattle Kraken and uh, moving on to a place where he obviously geographically feels comfortable playing. So without question, it was price, but a few others, I mean, you know, we sort of expected Nashville was going to drop uh, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, their top two centers, uh, in the uh, expansion pool, and that's exactly what happened. And oh, a couple of little things here and there. I thought it was interesting that uh, Philadelphia put both Jakob Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk uh, on their exposed list uh, after trading uh, Nolan Patrick away to the uh, Predators and who then moved him on to Vegas. I thought the expectation was one of those guys may end up uh, being protected because of that uh, slot being opened up. But a good number of high-profile, somewhat high-priced players available to the Kraken uh, in this expansion draft, to be sure. You know, Greg, I came into this expansion draft thinking that teams weren't going to fall into the trap that they did against the Vegas Golden Knights because Vegas, I mean, basically stole the show of getting players and then flipping them for draft picks and prospects and other better players, which put them in the cup final their first year. But after all of the reports right now out there of them selecting and teams already contacting Seattle, it kind of seems like we're going to see a lot of that this Wednesday, doesn't it? So there's a couple of things about that. Uh, First off, Seattle is really good at keeping the cards close to their vest. I was talking to somebody earlier today uh, that was talking about how in this part of the process, we knew a lot more about Vegas, uh, not only the players that they might select, but also some of the side deals that were, they were engaging in on. And we simply don't know anything yet uh, to that end with Seattle in the same way. So they're, they're keeping this thing very quiet, much like they kept their coaching hire quiet until the morning of the press conference. Uh, so we may see a lot of names out there that are intriguing. We may see a lot of names that we're throwing on our mock drafts that may not actually be available because they've already kind of spoken to teams and, 
and brokered deals to try to leave those guys off their their uh, their claim list. Um, the price for those are high, though. Like we've I've heard from some folks that they're asking for high end prospects. They're asking for a first and a third as far as draft picks go to lay off of guys in the expansion draft. So the prices are high, which brings us back to the main question about this Seattle Kraken draft vis-a-vis the Vegas draft, which is how smart have GMs gotten? How reactionary are they going to be? Are we going to see moves where, you know, Alex Tuck and a first-round pick goes flying from uh, Minnesota to Vegas to try to keep them from selecting Matt Dumba? Are we going to see things like Shea Theodore getting traded from Anaheim to Vegas so they don't take Sammy Vatnin or Josh Manson? I don't know, and, and that's the real mystery about this, this draft on Wednesday is have the GMs just thrown up their hands and said, hey, look, it's a rigged process. We're going to lose good players. Nothing we can do about it. Let's not overreact. Or are we going to see more deals where the Kraken can acquire the same types of players the Vegas Golden Knights did with the pressure exerted by the protection list? Greg Wyshynski is our guest here on 101 ESPN. And Greg is a little bit of a follow-up, I guess, to that. The other question that I would have is how do the free agents play into this whole process as well? Because we know going into Wednesday, the Kraken currently have a little bit of a window here where they're the only team that can negotiate with some of these free agents. How much of an impact do you expect that to have? It could have a bigger impact for Seattle than it did for for Vegas. That's for sure. Um, You know, one thing that's kind of out there uh, and has been out there for for months is how much they like Chris Dreger, the uh, goaltender for the Florida Panthers. He's an unrestricted free agent. It's expected he's going to uh, be the uh, selection for Seattle from the Panthers because they may end up signing him before the expansion draft. Uh, So that's one bit of business that's out there. There's something that's kind of brewing, though, that's a possibility that I'm really intrigued by. Yanni Gord from the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, a really good, solid center for them, uh, was left unprotected. They went with the uh, four forwards and four defensemen protection scheme. Gord, who has a a bit of a long-term deal, is available to the Kraken. Both of his line mates, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau, who formed arguably the best checking line in the playoffs for the last two seasons uh, in those uh, those Lightning Cup teams, uh, are both free agents. And so, in theory, if the Kraken wanted to, they could reunite that entire line on their roster, which would be a, a heck of a thing to build around, if we're being honest. I mean, that's a, that's a tremendously good line. Yeah. Um, in, in any event, I'd still select Gord in the draft, but you talk about free agents. Uh, Goudreau's now with the Rangers. He's available to be selected if you wanted to negotiate with him. Coleman's an unrestricted free agent. It's, it's one of those little plot lines to certainly keep an eye on for Wednesday. So, Greg, from the St. Louis perspective, I think a lot of people, I don't want to say surprised, but maybe a little taken back when they saw Vladimir Tarasenko's name exposed because despite all the rumors, I think people were expecting Doug to protect him and possibly flip him at the draft. You know, we came into this week thinking Dunn would be the one selected, but from all the reports, it sounds like Tarasenko might be the clear-cut favorite for Seattle. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I I still think if I'm uh, if I'm the Kraken, uh, I'm on Dunn. Uh, I'm a big Vince Dunn fan. I, I think in a, in a change of scenery, uh, his game can still really blossom. I've seen some projections that maybe it ends up being Zach Sanford, uh, given how few uh, uh, forwards of his ilk are available in the in the uh, expansion pool um, for the money that he's making. Uh, and he is he just ends up either a restricted free agent too, so they're going to be able to control that a little bit more. 
I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, like you, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how the Tarasenko thing plays out. Um, I, I mean, obviously for for not only the Kraken but for teams around the league, his injury status and his his on the mend from those shoulder surgeries is a big concern. But the other part of this too is you know if the Kraken do select him, his no trade clause doesn't go away. And if you're Seattle and you're thinking, okay, we want to have this asset and potentially flip it someplace else, much like how Doug Armstrong is, is attempting to do right now, I mean, Tarasenko does have a little bit of control there uh, if, in fact, they decide that they, they you know, don't necessarily want him on the roster. So that does complicate it a little bit, and I do think that there are other options available to the Kraken. But, you know, obviously a, a, a goal scorer of his abilities doesn't come uh, doesn't, doesn't come for free uh, very often, and I think the Kraken are doing their do- due diligence on, on whether or not they're selected. So let's go down this hypothetical scenario, Greg. We're talking to Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wyshynski. Let's go down a scenario where the Kraken do decide to take Vladimir Tarasenko, and maybe they flip him, maybe they keep him, whatever ends up happening there. Let's go down the Blues path for a moment. You now have a $7.5 million salary slot that has come off of your books, Gabriel Landeskog is a guy that we've talked a ton about here in St. Louis over the last few weeks and really a couple of months since they were eliminated from the postseason. How much do you think he's going to be able to get in the free agent market and how good of a fit do you think he would be in St. Louis? It'd be a tremendous fit. I mean, he's, he's sort of a blue style player. If, if you could, you know, kind of label him that way, uh, tremendous quality of leadership, uh, tremendous hockey acumen uh, plays a physical style. I mean, you could easily, see him fit right into this forward group. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be for all that much more than the seven, five that Tarasenko is making against the cap. I mean, it may be end up, be, end up being an eight over eight kind of deal or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. But, you know, there's still a part of me that is looking at the situation playing out in, in, uh, in Colorado and hearing all of these different teams that would be in on, on, uh, on Lannis Cog if he hit the market, the Islanders, I think are one of them that, there's been a lot of reports about their interest. And it all comes back to something I always say about any unrestricted free agent in the National Hockey League, which is at the end of the day, they just want to be where their stuff is. And his stuff's in Denver. Not only his family is in Denver, but the team that he has played for his entire career is in Denver. And I still remember the pain in Taylor Hall's voice when he got traded from the Oilers to the Devils. Not because he didn't want to be in Jersey, but because he wanted to see it to the, to the end in Edmonton, the thing that they were trying to build there, and he never got a chance to. And I do wonder at the end of the day if Landis Cog, more so than the money, more so than the years, looks at that Denver situation and that Colorado situation and says, I want to be here when this group lifts the cup because I've played my entire career to get there with this franchise. And you can't dismiss that when it comes to his hockey future. This could just be a lot of hardball that ends up with him staying in Denver. Well, the better part for Doug Armstrong to try and sell it, Greg, is to tell Gabriel, like, hey, you can see it to the end in Colorado <laughs> when we beat them, you know, in like the second round, and you could be on the other side of it, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, there is a certain amount of uh, a revenge inherent there. I mean, that's why that's why there's, a, you know, all this speculation about Ryan Suter uh, potentially uh, signing with, like, Colorado. That's where I was going uh, next. Do you, do you yeah, think that could be a match sure for St. Louis? Yeah, or, or St. Louis, right? Just to like to, 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 to stick it to the Minnesota Wild. But yeah, the Landis Cog one's interesting. I mean, he's obviously such a high-profile player. There might even be some, some interest from the Kraken to that end um, just because of, of what a 
incredible. Uh, he's got just incredible qualities to him yeah. on and off the ice that you want to add to your team. And but it's not like the Avalanche don't recognize that too. Right, Greg. Real quick, final one from me. You know, we've talked about the scenarios. You know, it seems very likely that Tarasenko is gone. If you miss out on Landeskog, and if Matthew Kachuk really isn't an option then what next for the Blues? Because obviously they have a couple of holes that need to be filled, and I don't think Jaden Schwartz and Mike Hoffman are going to fix that for Blues fans. No, they're not, and they might not even be here next year. I mean, I mean, it, it sounds like he's going to end up staying in Boston, but, I mean, you do have to investigate the Taylor Hall possibility. I think, again, he's the kind of player that has the kind of game that fits well with what St. Louis does. Um, but other than that, I mean, look, the, the downside is – a, a loss of talent, right, uh, of players that you just mentioned. Um, the upside is the acquisition of cap space, which is so valuable in this league right now under a flat cap. And, you know, there are going to be possibilities via the trade route to take on players that other teams are feeling a squeeze on. I mean, maybe a number of the players that we've seen exposed this week in the Kraken expansion draft. Um, you know, the, you lose a, pl- a couple players, you gain a couple players, just how the system works. Um, but if you're the St. Louis Blues, I mean, look, it, the, the shine from the cup championship year is worn off, right? Um, last season was a real frustrating one. And the idea, much like what we're seeing in Nashville, for example, and what we're seeing in Minnesota, of kind of changing the mix to better your team, is, I, I think should be very much on the table right now for St. Louis. So you know, saying goodbye to some old faces is going to be part of that process, and uh, we'll see where it all leads. Can I ask you one final question here, Greg? Because our guy yeah. Jamie Rivers um, brought up the idea that if he was in charge of a team, he would be offer sheeting Kale McCarr this offseason. Because worst case scenario, you end up getting one of the best defensemen in the league and he's whatever, 22 years old. Uh, best case scenario, you end up putting the avalanche in a situation where they're going to have to give up maybe one or two of their big time free agents this offseason. Do you think we'll see a GM do that this offseason to give an, a significant offer sheet to, t- to Kale McCarr? Um, you'd love to see it, <laughs> but there, there's, there's two things you got to remember. One is that there is a certain honor among thieves. It's the reason why we don't see a lot of offer sheets in this league. I mean, the last one that we saw, I believe, was the Sebastian Ajo one from the Montreal Canadiens trying to poach him from uh, Carolina for the sole reason that they thought that um, Tom Dundon, the owner of the Hurricanes, was going to be uh, you know El Chipo and, and not match the thing, but he matched the thing and was very angry about it. So we don't often see them, right? And then the other part of it too, and it's the part that I think a lot of fans miss on when it comes to offer sheets, is you need a willing participant to sign one. And you got to remember that even if you sign one, thinking, all right, this is just to better my bargaining position with my own team. The bottom line is that you've you've stepped out of line. You like you've put yourself ahead of the team. You've done something that does not fit within the hockey culture, and you may have caused a schism between yourself and management, and maybe your own locker room that isn't easy to fix. And that's the hesitancy that players have in engaging in this process. And and so when we say, hey, offer sheet Kale McCarr, give him the, the the moon. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. But he's still the guy that has to put pen to paper on that offer sheet, and that's why it's. It's, it makes sense, but at the same time, it may, may not be based in reality. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We'll be watching, uh, trying to see what exactly plays out over the next couple of days with the expansion draft, and there's certainly plenty of adventurous stuff over the next few weeks in the NHL as well. Always appreciate it. We'll talk with you again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Greg Wyshynski joining us here on 101 ESPN. I, when he said that you might be able to get Gabriel Landeskog for uh, – 
$8 million per year contract and that the Blues, maybe it is Zach Sanford. Yeah, I was going to say, the Landis guy thing blew your mind. This man just said, a very credited man just said that the Seattle Kraken could take Zach Sanford. Mind officially blown. There's no way, right? There's a way. I mean, he's not wrong. If you look at the names that are available, there's a lot more highly touted defensemen and goaltenders than there are forwards. And you have to fill 12 roster spots for your forward. And look, it's been reported that Ron Francis, the GM, values cap space. He's not going to be signing guys to eight, nine million dollars. Like he's not going to go get Voracek, who's available for eight point seven five million dollars, without someone eating some of that yeah. contract. You got to get value. And look, as much as people hate on Zach Sanford, he is a guy who, if he hits his potential, he could be a twenty goal scorer in the NHL. Interesting, man. And somebody on our text line mentions this as well. The other thing that they're going to need is they're going to need some depth at center, and there's not a whole lot of guys that can play and on the remember, wings or center. And Sanford did Sanford that this can. year. And he plays the penalty kill. He can play the power play. I mean, I know a lot of people are down on Sanford. He's a valuable piece for what he could cost a team. And Francis is all about analytics. And I don't know what the analytics say for Sanford. They love Vince Dunn. They do love Vince Dunn. If he's an analytics guy, he's going to love Vince Dunn. I've got a feeling. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, John Mozeliak made some public comments over the weekend on what the Cardinals rotation could look like a month from now and how that plays into their decisions at the deadline. We'll give our answers on that coming up next on 101 ESPN. Come to the garden. Come to the garden. I dare you. I dare you. Meet up with me, Sanford. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Well, right now, obviously, with with someone like Miles Michaelis, he's uh, throwing alive today. Um, I think most importantly will be how does he recover tomorrow. Um, but then, you know, there is a chance we could get him out on a rehab, which would be exciting and, and impactful. So, you know, we're just trying to get back to where we can get pitchers pitching. And if that happens, I think we'll be in a good spot. That was John Mosellock over the week and audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. It, it's interesting, Alex, as we look at what the Cardinals future holds for them. A lot of it is dependent upon the pitching, of course. Right now, you've got Jake Woodford as slot in as your number four starter. He's going tonight against yes. the Cubs. Johan Oviedo is expected to be announced as your number five starter tomorrow night now, against the Cubs. What's with all the mystery of, oh, well, we might use Oviedo. We might have Cole Hamels in time. Option. Yeah, like, trade what are we doing me? here? Yeah, it, it's going to be Johan Oviedo, and he'll start tomorrow for him. And those are the spots that you would really like to upgrade. Um, oh, Johan Oviedo, let's be honest, he should be down in AAA, but by necessity, he's he's been required to learn on the job, basically, this year in the bigs. So as we move forward, we've got less than two weeks now. We're 11 days away. I did my math right there. We sure. <laughs> from, the, uh, from the trade deadline. So how do you think the injuries for Michaelis and Flaherty, in your opinion, Alex, how does that play into what the Cardinals decide to do? I really don't think it has anything to do with what they're going to do. Because you're not going to have these guys back on, before July 31st. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to see them down in the minors. Like, it sounds like from Katie's reporting that you're going to see Miles sometime this week playing for uh, the AA Cardinals, getting some rehab work in. It really sounds like Jack Flaherty's still a couple of weeks away before he's going to get a rehab yeah, start. I would think, like, a month away from actually being able yeah. to be up with the big league And club. I would say the same That's for Miles Michaelis. So, 
I don't think it has any impact on it. I think if they look like they're making strides towards returning, then obviously that's going to sway them in the direction of, okay, well, we're not going to give up a hefty price just to get somebody to be a third or fourth guy in our rotation because of what we've seen so far. I think what more has a factor on them being buyers is how they play this month up till July 31st because, you know, they got to win one of the next two to be successful. And then... He didn't get that one. He didn't even make a reaction to it. Right over his head. I don't. He wasn't listening to me. But I think it also has a lot to do with what the cost becomes. Because look, the Dodgers are going to be buyers come trade deadline now with the Kershaw and the Trevor Bauer situation. On top of it, you're going to have a battle with San Francisco and San Diego. They're going to be buyers. Milwaukee's going to be searching for help. It's going to be a, a hefty price come trade deadline time. So if Mo can get a deal, he'll pull the trigger. If not, I really think he's going to be a holder no matter what Michaelis and Flaherty's return looks like. Yeah, I, I think he might be a holder too. I, I just don't know if, depending on where they sit when we get up to there, that'll determine it. But in my opinion, you have to go get another starter because, and again, maybe not one of those top-end guys, maybe not a Gibby or a Scherzer, if Scherzer's even available. Nope. Gibby. Okay. La wow. Gibby. El Gibby. La Gibbo. Gibba. La Gibson. La Gibson. <laughs> no, that's La Blah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, where what, were we? what just happened? What were we talking about? Oh, pitching. Got to uh, get another starter. I, I think they'll. I think the Cardinals will look to maybe play into the depth. Look for a depth guy like a Jordan Lyles, maybe. Or uh, isn't he like out with Tommy John? Oh, I didn't see that. I Is he Jordan, really? Oh, I don't he know. might be. I don't know. I, I didn't know he see was that. injured. Oh, then he'll be great. We can get him. He'll be cheap for sure. But I think you have to add another depth starter, and I think the Cardinals back, will baby. look to do that. Uh, yes. Oh, why didn't you tell me? I could have gotten the breaking news sound already. <laughs> I think you. I, honestly, I think you take a shot at Cole Hamels, and that's why I asked Katie. I, I, if you're going to go depth rather than trade somebody, just sign Cole Hamels. Because by the time you're going to trade somebody and he gets here and you put him in your rotation, sorry, that was my hand. I'm very excited. Punch to the microphone. I know. Yeah, Cole Hamels. I I mean, you'll have him ready to go, you know? So, I mean, if you want a depth piece, Cole Hamels would be that depth piece. I just don't know how ready to go Cole Hamels is. That's the question. We weren't at his workout, so we don't know. I, I didn't get a chance That's to go. Vacation All was. I know is he wasn't developed by the Orioles, so he's not that yeah, great of a pitcher. Um, Cole Hamels makes a ton of sense for them if he's stretched out. If he's a guy that's only going to be able to get up to like 50 pitches, though, right now, well, you can't use him as a starter. And that's that's where the questions come in um, is what he's actually able to bring to you. I I don't know if he's if he's ready to go. He makes all the sense in the world because that's exactly the type of lane that I would like them to go down is kind of a bargain bin type of a guy who who can get me through the next month, who can take that spot that Jake Woodford's in right now that can consistently give me five or six innings and can get me through the next month, giving me a chance to consistently win. But I don't think you get Hamels to get you through the next month. I think you get Hamels to either shore up your rotation or make your bullpen stronger because you have that sixth option. I would I would get Hamels, and then when the rest of my rotation is healthy, Johan Oviedo's going down to the minors. Oh, yeah. Johan Oviedo. Bumps back to your bullpen, one of the two. Johan Oviedo is, in my opinion, once you're past the trade deadline and what that looks like. Johan Oviedo is clearly in Memphis for the rest of the season. And frankly, I'd be doing the same with Jake Woodford. Sure. This is just a spot start for these two because you don't have any other options. But these two guys need to be in Memphis for the rest of the season because they have to get stretched out because these are options next year for you. The problem for the Cardinals is the same problem for every team right now. There's just not a whole lot of pitching available. So that's why one of the main reasons why Cole Hamels makes so much sense for them if he's stretched out. That's a big time uh, question for him. Is that there's just not there's not guys who, yeah. who, who do you want and who's available? 
Those are two very difficult questions right now. <laughs> Sorry, T-Bone, from the 314. Cole Hamels would be the exact type of pitcher the Cardinals will get a veteran that probably doesn't have it anymore and won't work out. Uh, if you know anything about the Cardinals, Wade LeBlanc. those guys actually work out for the Cardinals. Remember Kyle Loesch when they got him? And you got to give credit where it's due this year. The Cardinals have done a great job of finding guys on the scrap heap that are able to come in and give meaningful contri- uh, yeah. contributions. Um, this is the, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Uh-oh. Can you imagine where this team would be without Wade LeBlanc? I'm serious. Raise your hand if you thought you ever would have heard that this season. No chance. No chance that anybody, when they signed him, we were like, okay, cool. He, he throws a strike. I think you Sweet. made fun of him. You said he's not even a real baseball player. I didn't. I, that's I not think, true. I think that did happen. I thought that's what you said. He's been everything they could have asked for and then some. I mean, yeah. He's been remarkable. Seriously, mm-hmm. he's, he's one of the best stories of the season for the Cardinals. And what he's done has allowed them to get through this stretch still having a chance, a fighting chance to be able to make the postseason. If not for him, I don't know that we would have been able to say that. And that's the thing, too, is if you can't get another starter, and you just mentioned it there, you said LeBlanc gives you that fighting chance. We hope Woodford and Oviedo can do the same. Oviedo's giving you that at spurts this season. Other times, he just looked kind of uh, overmatched. But if they can't do it and the pitching market is uh, it's thin, the starting pitching market mm-hmm. is thin, but you have faith that Flaherty and Michaelis will be back, and let's say Michaelis will be back sooner. So let's say he's starting in, I don't know, mid to late August, and then Flaherty's mid-September. What maybe you could do, and I know we've talked about this in the past too, is go add some bullpen pieces, and that way you just shorten games. And granted, it's not a recipe for success, but it, it helps build that. It bridges you from, uh, let's say, the fifth inning up to your Latino heat. To me, adding another, if you can't get a starting pitcher – Go add another bullpen arm, maybe two, just to kind of help shorten that gap. If we're going to get creative, can I give you guys another opportunity? Shane Bieber. No. Uh, Over at The Athletic earlier today, Ken Rosenthal had a fantastic piece. Oh, Rosie. He put together 10 thoughts on the trade deadline and what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. Better not take my Ferrario 5 idea. He brought up the name Jose Ramirez. Now, Pitcher or the player? the, The position player for the Indians. Wait, there's a pitcher, Jose Ramirez? I'm sure there is. Jose Ramirez is not like technically available right now, but if he were, if the Indians were to be overwhelmed, according to Ken Rosenthal, he might become available for somebody. He mentioned the Rays in this story as a team that makes a lot of sense for Jose uh, Ramirez because, of course, they do. He's cost controlled. He's a great young player. Like, Have him for a year, flip him for a top prospect, yeah. and you're right back at it. Makes all the sense in the world for them. But one of the reasons why he's so interesting is he makes $9 million this year. He has a club option for $12 million next year. He has a club option for the following season as well at $14 million. His contract is incredibly valuable for the team. It's team-friendly. So he's going to take a massive haul in return to be able to get. Like, we're talking Nolan Gorman plus to be able to acquire somebody like Jose Ramirez. So it's going to be astronomical in terms of the price. That being said, Jose Ramirez is one of the best hitters in the sport and has been now for the last, like, five years. This season, he's got an 852 OPS, and this is basically in line with where he's been over the last five years. Since 2016, he's got a 132 OPS plus. That's around Nolan Arenado range. He's a third baseman by trade. I was going to say, where are you playing him? He hasn't played second since, like, 2018. Oh, you're not putting him at second. He can do it. No, you're not putting him at second. If Mike Moustakis can play second, Jose Ramirez can play second. (laughs) If Matt Adams can Mike play Moustak? the outfield, anybody can play okay, any well, position. He really couldn't play the outfield. Now, given the cost, I don't know that the Cardinals could do this yeah, because you? you're giving up so much to try him at a position that he hasn't played meaningful snap or reps at in like three years. Yeah, and you're going to get three years of Jose, who then wants to go to the free agent market and get paid, where you have, what, like eight years of control with a Nolan Gorman? 
Jose Ramirez is significantly better than Nolan Gorman. You know who I'm going after? Cattell Marte. Yeah, but he's he's going to be even more expensive. That's fine. Give up. Gorman. If Jose Ramirez is re- legitimately available, I'd kick the tires on that. That if if you want to get super creative, the uh, expanding what you have offensively, maybe it is Cattell Marte. Somebody in that range, Marte, Ramirez, whoever your guy is. If you could go out there and get another bat to add to the offense instead of overpaying for a mediocre middling arm, I think that's the way you get creative this year. I would even rather do that than bring in another bullpen. Well, and that's where I was going to go next with it. Like, I think as much as we talk about pitching and upgrading in that area, let's all be frank right now. The problem area for the Cardinals still is offense. They scored seven runs over the weekend. Exactly. As exciting as it was. And look, the the post-game question from the commish to Mike Schilt last night was, you know, what's going to happen when Goldschmidt and Arenado hit together? Oh, it's going to be phenomenal. We've been saying that since April. So, yeah. like, you can't keep doing that. Sooner or later, you got to get another person who can help offensively. So the answer to the question of how do Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis play into the Cardinals' plans at the deadline, it's pretty significant. It, it, it could determine what they decide to do, but a lot of this is just coming down to where are they at in the race? The, the next two weeks really determine what their deadline plans are, much more so than whatever the future holds for Miles Michaelis or Jack Flaherty. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we're going to dive into the junk drawer. But coming up next, if the Blues do lose Vladimir Tarasenko in the expansion draft, then what? What's the next course of action? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. For the dominoes to fall correctly here, do you think the the Tarasenko move will coincide with everything else? I think that Doug has to take care of that first and then everything else following that. Because the $7.5 million or whatever you can get off of your salary cap helps you recognize what your offer can be for a Landis Cog or an offer sheet or yeah. what you can maybe offer a Matthew Kachuk after you trade for him, something like that. That was Jamie Rivers last week talking about how the first domino that has to fall for the Blues is Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, it's falling, boys. That domino is heading on over. You ever played dominoes? Yeah, of course. Tough game. Wait. Have you played dominoes since we talked to, uh, was it Nolan Arnato's agent? Oh, yeah. And, and you mentioned, well, he likes Domino's pizza. That's kind of cool. Well, I also said that he was single and then found out that he was married. So, you know what? That wasn't my brightest day when I did that Nolan Arnato agent interview uh, T-Bone. So thanks for reminding me of it. Still our most downloaded uh, podcast together, though. Is it really? It is. It is indeed. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> That's so, not how I want people to remember me. The question is what happens after that, right? So the Blues have exposed Vladimir Tarasenko in this expansion draft. And let's operate under the assumption that he selected, which is no sure thing, but yeah, well, Sanford might get selected. Let's yeah, let's go down this path for a second. Seven and a half million dollars is off of the books for the Blues. Yep. Now what, Alex? You've got Vince Dunn; he's still on your roster. You've got Zach Sanford; he's still here. He's in St. Louis. Uh, Jaden Schwartz; his rights were not selected. You got all the other guys that you were potentially concerned about. So now, what do you do if you're in Doug Armstrong's shoes? What's the next thing? Well, my next thing is if I have Vince Dunn still, I'm hitting the trade market once again, and I'm finding out if Calgary's interested in moving Matthew Kachuk again. I'm trying to find a deal that's going to find me a left winger. And if that's not out there, which it doesn't seem like that's out there, then I'm going to the free agent market. And I'm hoping Gabriel Landeskog hits that market. Because if he does, I'm talking to him. I'm selling him on the fact that, look, get back to Colorado, play with your guy that won you a Calder Trophy, go out there and be the best line in the Central Division. And then after that, then I think you got to go to to plan C. 
And I think plan C is not going to make a lot of people happy, but I think plan C is biding your time until you can get Matthew Kachuk, because it doesn't sound like if you can't pull off a deal for him now that you'll be able to pull off a deal for him at the trade deadline, because Calgary is going to want to get something for a guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Or I'm sorry, a restricted free agent. Then he's going to sign a one-year deal, be unrestricted free agent. It's not going to go anywhere. So you try and make a move at that point. But plan C is probably Jaden Schwartz and Mike Hoffman. I know Greg Wyshynski mentioned... Or Brandon Saad. Or Brandon Saad, which is fine. But in my opinion, Brandon Saad's a second-line winger for you. Which is great if he's going to be a 30-goal scorer. But he did that with Colorado as a third-line winger, and he wasn't anywhere near the 30 goals. Option C is, yeah, we're a contender, but we're not competing for a cup. Option C is the Central Division is not going to be as good as we thought it was going to be this upcoming season, so let's see what we could do to make it better. I think you look at Jaden Schwartz again. You'll go to Mike Hoffman again. You'll go to Taylor Hall. You'll go to Brandon Saad, Kyle Palmieri. The options that are out there that are second and third line. Exactly. But I do think what you do is you t- you try to strengthen your D line. You try and sh- you make the the toughest damn defensive core that you could make in the Central Division because that's how you're going to win games. Shutting things down, making it easy for Jordan Bennington. There's a couple of games that are out there. Jamie Alexiak, we all know who he's my he's my guy. He's the guy that we need. Six foot seven Mongoon that's out there. Um, Ryan Suter, Mon- Mongoon. It's like a monsoon. No, would you call is that him? a made-up word? I'm gonna check on that. Well, were you gonna go with a monster and a goon, and you just combine the two? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> okay. Damn. I wish I would have gotten to that before you to make me sound like a genius, but I didn't get there fast enough. Uh, Ryan Suter, a mongoon, mongoon, a monster okay. and a goon, a mongoon. You like that, writer? That was good enough. Mongoon. Mon-goon. I hope that's not like M-O-N. offensive or something. Oh, oh no no oh, no! Oh. Anytime somebody tells you to go to Urban Dictionary for I don't a think name, you meant to call him this. I don't think I meant to call him that <laughs> at all. So we're going to avoid this. Somebody real incredibly quick. obnoxious and stupid. No, that's not what I, I mean. Great. I've never now met, he's not going to sign in St. Louis because never Ferrari met called him a mongoon. Well, hmm. I've never met him, but maybe I mean maybe I doubt it. But he's six foot seven, so he is a monster and a goon. Urban Dictionary has a uh, word of the day, and I can't even tell you what this word is. Be careful yep. with Urban Dictionary. Yeah. So you got Jamie Alexiak. You can't, got can't tell you. I you just got, if you want to see it, go to Urban Dictionary and find out what their word of the day is. Because I, I can't mention it. it to you guys on this radio. Yikes. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. Blue line upgrade. The Jamie Alexiak. Mon- you got him. You got Ryan Suter's an option who's going to be out there. Frankly, if you're not going to find that top left winger, you're going to find a way to kind of fill those holes and give you some depth on the left wing. And then you're going to go out there and make your defense the best that it can be. And I think there's a couple of guys who can do that for you. So let's talk Suter for a second. Let's t- let's talk Suter for a second because he's interesting to me. Um, he he would be somebody that comes in, and I think you mentioned this when he became available in our text thread with with each other. He would he would not be a top line no. left handed defenseman or anything. He's kind of the the Gunnarsson role, right, mm-hmm. where he can play up or down depending on what the night is, the matchup. How realistic do you think this would be? Because I, I was reading uh, Michael Russo's story over at the Athletic, who covers uh, the Minnesota Wild, and he said he thinks that somebody like the Blues, the Blackhawks, or the Avalanche staying in this area, area, this Midwest area, all make a lot of sense for him. How realistic is this to go out there and get Ryan Suter? I think it's realistic indeed. I mean, look, he's going to be getting paid by Minnesota not to play for them. So he's making like $8 million this upcoming season. So he's going to get paid. 
uh, and if you're Ryan Suter, you're, you, you want to go to a team that's a Stanley Cup contender. That's going to be your number one thing. But if I'm him, I'm also going to want to go to a team in the Central Division because I'm going to want to make Minnesota pay because he was completely blindsided by this buyout. So he's going to want to find a way to make Minnesota pay. You got Colorado that's going to be a top contender for him, and we all know kind of where they're at. But sounds like if they, if they don't get Landeskog, they might be going after Seth Jones, so they might not have the money to do that. I think it makes a lot of sense for him because, yes, he's not a top-pair defenseman for you, but he is a guy that can play 20 minutes a night if you need him to. Played he played 22 did. minutes a night last year. He was great for Minnesota. And look, he's not the guy that he used to be, but he is a shutdown defenseman. And if there's one thing that I know about guys that play with Colton Pareko, if he has a guy who is just trustworthy, as Jamie Rivers calls him, vanilla ice cream, where yeah. you know what he's going to do every night, that's where Colton Pareko excels. And I think Ryan Suter matches that. What also Ryan Suter matches is if he plays with a guy like Justin Falk, who also is a guy who jumps up into the rush. But then you could put a guy who's on the blue line. I'm getting very aggressive over here with, with, my, with my talking aggressive. It's the Italian thing, I guess. He matches well in your top four, but then if he's not in the top four, you put him on your third pairing, and he's still a guy that's going to be awesome for you. So as much as I want Alexiak, and Alexiak's like the golden goose right now, Ryan Suter would be number two for me. It's interesting because we talk so much in the offseason, or we have at least, about the need for a left-handed defenseman. And yet, if you look at their like depth chart, if you will. There's a lot of them on the left side. a ton of them. It, it's almost kind of like the Cardinals outfield situation where it's like, man, they have so many options in previous years. But who do you really trust right now? And I think that's where the Blues are at with their left-handed uh, defensemen. You got a lot of guys who do you trust? Who do you feel like going into any game you can put with Colton Pareko and you feel great about them shutting down the top line of the opposing team? And the answer right now, frankly, is nobody. Yeah, I mean, you just don't got, have anybody got, that's up there. Scott yet. Perunovic, who I don't think anybody's really expecting to be this like godsend in the defensive side. Jake Wallman, who was okay last year. You got Nico Mikola, who was okay last year. Tori They've Krug, all had their moments. But Marco Scandella was great whenever he first came over. But he had it moments doesn't last scream. Year a team that can compete for a cup with those guys. Right. Like you need another guy. And I'm not saying Suter makes them a cup contender, but it is a guy who's got experience. It is a guy who could play a lot of minutes. And it's a guy who's a shutdown defenseman, which I think is always a necessity. He helps you get closer. Yeah. He, he helps you bridge that gap to being able to eventually be a cup contender. It all starts with Vladimir Tarasenko. It continues going down that path. I also think Suter could be the type of defenseman they may, might go after if they were to get Gabriel Landeskog. Oh, yeah. Like if you end up with Kachuk or Landeskog and you get a high-priced left winger and then you get another, you somehow find a way to also get Schwartz or Saad, whoever. Yeah, that second-line left winger. That's when Ryan Suter really becomes interesting because you probably don't have the money to go really upgrade on the left side without getting somebody that's been bought out. Yeah, because real quick, I mean, let's be honest. Let's start with Landeskog. If you get Landeskog, well, you got your top left winger. If you go back and then look at it and you get either Schwartz or Hoffman, that's a big deal for you. Mm -hmm. If you get him on a nice friendly contract because you lost a power play guy and now you added another power play guy like a Hoffman. But then you go out there and you sign a low level, high risk or low risk, high level player like the Corey Perry for the Montreal Canadiens. When he signed with Dallas, he was really effective. Then he did the same with Montreal. Pat Maroon with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what Ryan Suter could be for you if you just put him as a low, uh, low risk kind of player for you. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to continue on the expansion draft conversation. The five biggest surprises for players that were exposed in this draft. We'll get into a Ferrario 5 coming up in 10 minutes or so. Coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
Ferrario 5 for you coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. We Alex do? has that coming up in 10 minutes. So yep. hopefully you're prepared, Ferrario. Uh, I hate to like kind of rat on somebody, but BK tried to do a Ferrario 5 while you're out. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's, it was a Ferrario 5 without Ferrario. It's totally different. Well, also, snitches get stitches, T-Bone, so you're in trouble now. I appreciate you coming to my side of this. Hey, huh? we all know I'm jumping. Yeah, everybody abandoned ship on this show when it comes to defending your teammates, so someone's got to try. Pass the blame, take the credit. That's our motto. Yep. What a team. So let's dive into the junk drawer. You guys remember the story about Ben Zobrist, right? His wife, you know, she had the extramarital affair. It was with their pastor. He ended up having to retire as a result. It was a whole whole thing, right? So he had to retire because his wife cheated on him? With their pastor, who was in charge of his charity. (laughs) But you you can't, like, going going back on because of that? No. Do you know how mentally exhausting and like messed up you would be after something like this? I mean, I know because this dude basically tried to start her musical career by doing the uh, national anthem before games to help her out with her musical career. Oh, and, and then her and then her her ungrateful, you know, and what? Then her pastor tried to help her get closer to Jesus because of it. That's well, what he was doing. They should have left a little more room for Jesus, in my opinion. Whoa. Um, whoa. whoa. Well, they're they're in <laughs> the middle of guy, their though. divorce proceedings. Uh, oh, no surprise there. His ex future ex wife. Uh, her name's Juliana. And man, some of the uh, the court filings have been released. This woman is a real piece of work. Well, I can't wait to hear this. She has asked a judge to award her an additional $4 million in assets because he quit baseball. She says that him quitting baseball, again, because of her, because of her extramarital affair and what that did to him mentally, psychologically, she claims that he should have earned an extra $8 million in 2019 if he had played baseball. And so because of that, she deserves half of it. That's how this works. He get half of everything. And so he ruined her getting $4 million by not playing baseball. And so she believes she deserves that now. I guess the pastor doesn't make a good amount of money. So she's trying to provide for their new family now, maybe. I don't know that they're a family. I I don't either, actually. This is wild, man. How can you, like, say, like, you cheated on him? That doesn't fare well in a court situation when it comes to a divorce. He is claiming that she orchestrated a scheme to persuade him to put their divorce proceedings on hold and return to baseball so his earnings would, quote, continue to fill the marital coffers. Jamie Foxx and Kanye West once said she's a gold digger. This is wild. Not really. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're cheating on your baseball, if your husband who plays baseball with your priest, you're just trying to get money. That's a good point. Right. I mean, come, like, come on. That's I, low. That's low. I thought you were about to say that's a love. I was like, wait, wait. Ben no, that's Zobr- not love. Ben Zobrist also asserts that he propped up her ventures as a Christian pop singer, an author, and a speaker posting a 2019 net loss of more than $200,000 because of clothing, travel, and other business expenses. Man, she must not and have been. this woman has the gall, the audacity Julie. to say, you owe me $4 million because I cheated on you and it messed you up so bad mentally that you couldn't go play the game he that you always loved. said it was Julianne? Julietta. Julianna. Yep. What's Zobrist. the last? So Zobris is the last name. She doesn't have like an album name or something. No, I think that's her name. Okay, because I'm like trying. I'm trying to find out if she's got any like albums or something, and she must not be very good at this. So. This is wild, dude. <laughs> 
I how, mean, how do you sell being a Christian pop song <laughs> and a Christian influencer and author when you cheated on your husband with a priest? Well, it's a good question, man. I mean, I guess I mean, you, you are leaving your question. husband for God, so technically that would sell, right? No. Like, would that be the title of your book? How I Got Closer to God. <laughs> All right, I'm out on that one. I felt horrible saying that. I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm kidding. I, we're going to put an end to this. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, 65780 is the air comfort service text slide for in or out. Alex has a Ferrari 05. Ho- hopefully it goes better than that statement. In Next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. about 15 minutes or so we're gonna play a game of in or out 65780 is the air comfort service text line if you want to send us some suggestions coming up in about 45 minutes or so we're gonna have your chance to win a pair of tickets to a concert black rose right what yeah that's coming up in about 45 minutes or so here but right now oh i've been waiting for this for more than a week play that open tanner you're listening to Hold on. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I'm out for I'm out for a week and you try and one steal the Ferrari 05 and two now I come back you ask for a Ferrari 05 yeah. And then you try and steal my toss to the open. I can't believe I fell for that again. You you played it, which is I terrible know, I in fell general. For what it. Do you mean? That was that was terrible. You didn't even sell it correctly. Like, come on, man. You gotta you gotta say which chest. T-Mode hit the open. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5. Really a top 5 list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top 5. Well, you know, what did you do when I was gone for the Ferrario 5? Like, five math problems that I, I still struggle with? I we ended up getting to it, honestly. Oh, we definitely did. I remember we did. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I don't even think he told me to play the open, though. It's kind of on you as a friend, though, right? Like, aren't you supposed to, like, hey, we, we can't do that. That's Ferrario's yeah, we thing. I said that I'm jumping off the ship, man. That's true. You abandoned ship. I got ship, told to so. play the open. I played the open. Open. You abandon ship. Become the top rated show on the station and suddenly hey, he's out. <laughs> Everything goes crazy. T-Bone's <laughs> out. No big deal. Just gone with the wind right here. All right. What are we doing at Ferrari 5-4 again? Uh, five five things from vacation. biggest surprises among the players that were exposed in this year's NHL expansion oh, draft. Oh, baby. I've been waiting for this one because I was sitting by my phone Sunday morning when this list came out. So here's the thing. I'm going to take Carey Price out of this because, yes, no, uh, hold on. Hear me out here for a minute. He's number one. Wait a minute. It's an easy number one. Yeah. We're taking that out of consideration here because okay, I so think the there five are non-Carey Price edition, most our biggest plus, surprises plus, in the expansion let's draft. Let's be honest here. It sounds like the guy's got a knee problem. He's probably. What We're going to get into Carey Price uh, here. Me too, Carey. You got a knee problem? Yeah, Arthritis? All the time. I'm doing all yeah. that walking with that crane. Yeah. Cane. Crane? No, Pain. never mind. Close. So I took Carey Price out of this because I felt like it was an obvious one. Okay. Same with Vladimir Tarasenko because I think there are other ones that stuck out to me that I was really surprised by. The first one is Jordan Eberle from the New York Islanders. I mean, guys, he was a part of the top line with Matt Barzell in the playoffs this year. And I mean, yes, they didn't get to the cup final, but they had a really successful run. And you're going to expose this guy? Like, I understand they have other guys you have to protect. But this is a guy you traded for from Edmonton, and this is a guy who's young. He still has a lot of upside. 
I don't know if I would have been doing this. So I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle looks at this and says, oh, we're taking this kid because he's a little bit of a cost-controlled situation, but he's also young, and he is a fast winger that can play. Five and a half million dollars per year. He's got three years left on his current deal. He does have a full no trade, or modified no trade now at this point in his uh, in his contract. He's 31 years old. If he becomes available, that, that might be an interesting play. Like, if he... if. The Islanders are okay with moving on from him for whatever reason. That might be somebody that the Blues could potentially Well, this was the one on. when they had Tarasenko's name connected to the Islanders. I'm thinking, well, maybe you go after this or Scott Mayfield yeah. to shore up some defense. Um, I was a little surprised, but again, New York Islanders, I think, are shooting for the stars here to see what they can get, sure. and then they'll drop back down. So Jordan Everly was my first one. The second one, I, I'm not surprised that he's exposed. I'm more surprised at the way they did it. Minnesota exposes Cam Talbot. And... I'm sorry, they exposed, uh, gosh, they exposed Capo Kakinen. Okay. That was their young goaltender who was in the running for a Calder Trophy this year. Mm. And they protect Cam Talbot? Cam Talbot was good last year, but like Kakinen's 24 years old? Like this guy's a stud. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle jumps on this as a cost-controlled goaltender who they can build around. There's other guys that are out there. Carey Price, obviously, that a lot of people are talking about. But watch this name. Ville Husso. Ville Husso is another one that I wouldn't be surprised. I know. T-Bone would be so upset. The next Patrick Waugh, according to T-Bone. So Talbot was, our Kakinen was my second one. The third one was Calgary exposing Mark Giordano. Now, I know what Calgary's doing here because they had other guys to protect. He's making a lot of money. He's up there in age. He's got one more year left on his contract. I think they're under the understanding that they're not going to take Giordano. I'm of the opposite belief. If I'm Seattle, I'm jumping on this deal. This guy won a Norris Trophy a couple of years ago. Is he old? Yes. Is he a cornerstone player for a franchise team that needs leadership? Hell yes. And if I'm Calgary, I'm, I'm, I'm losing him. Johnny Goudreau could possibly be traded this offseason. I'm keeping the guy who wasn't great for me this year and Christopher Tanev, who came from Vancouver. Like, what the hell is Calgary doing? This move signifies more to me that they might be moving Matthew Kachuk because they are a mixed message machine right now. I was really surprised that Mark Giordano was exposed. Uh, the fourth one for me was from Chicago. Now, he's a restricted free agent. So I think they're doing this because they know that they're not going to sign him. But Nikita Zadorov. This was the guy that Colorado traded away for Devon Taves. Mm. And then this guy was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks, and he's been really good for them. He's another guy that matches what the Blues would need. Nasty, big defenseman who plays in front of the net. This was the guy whose video went viral at the end of the season last year where it was the opposing team skated in and took an extra hack on the goaltender. And Zadorov basically pushed the guy's face into the ice and said, don't ever blanking touch my goaltender. So... I was really amazed that Chicago did this because you moved on from Duncan Keith. You need young defensemen and you're not keeping this guy. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for a team that's trying to keep themselves in competition. And then the last one is Matt Duchesne. I understand you exposed both of them, but you're getting rid of your top two centermen. Nashville's GM called it a competitive rebuild. The central division is going to be really interesting next year. It makes no sense to me, dude. Like the Minnesota's in a weird place right now. Chicago is Chicago, where sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But Nashville, like Nashville was a team that was supposed to be competing for a a Stanley Cup, and now they're in a competitive rebuild. You expose both of these guys. They can't take both of them. I think I would have protected Matt Duchesne because right now, basically, you're telling both of these guys that, hey, you're not good enough to be on the team or you're making too much money, you're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. 
And if both don't get selected or one doesn't get selected, you're going to have them come back and like everything's hunky dory. I don't think so. So that one did not make any sense to me. And I think it's going to hurt Nashville in the end. Who do you think they're going to end up taking as their goalie? By the way, go, th- go through that list one time real quick for anybody that didn't follow along. The five guys that were the biggest surprises to you exposed in the expansion draft, not named Carey Vladimir Price. Tarasenko yes, or Carey Price. Because that's easy, guys. And I'm, I'm all about difficulty here. No, So really, no, we've got a top no seven here. here. No, not a top seven. I mean, fine, but it's a Ferrari of five. You know better than this. Everly Talbot, Giordano, Zadorov, and Matt Duchesne. Those are my five guys okay. that weren't the obvious pick of Carey Price and Vladimir Tarasenko. In terms of goaltending, the carry price thing is going to be really interesting because if this is a knee injury and they're concerned about his health, I don't know where you go with this. Um, and I know we're going to get deeper into that, so I don't want to spoil that. Let's do it now. You want to get into yeah. it now? Okay. Because that's what I think is so so interesting about this is they've got some really good options. Jonathan Quick is available in this expansion draft if they wanted to go that route. If they wanted to go um, Dallas exposed ben, ben Bishop in this one. You've got some guys that have some injury questions that have been great goalies at some point in their career that are available to you in this expansion draft. You depending do. on the route that you want to go. I, honestly, Carey Price screams Mark Andre Fleury in Vegas. I agree. And I mean, look, I know they're two different pieces because Mark Andre Fleury has won multiple Stanley Cups. He's been an MVP. Now he's a Vezina winner, and Carey Price has just won a Vezina. But Carey Price, we just saw in the playoffs, is the reason they got to the Stanley Cup final. Frankly, they could have been more competitive if it wasn't for an offense that went real quiet. I think you take a shot at Carey Price if the knee injury is okay. That's the big thing. Um, the young kid from Florida, Dreiger, is, is a Wyshynski. I might have just butchered that name. I apologize. It, it, he's, a, he's a guy that's going to be a top number one goaltender in the league, and Florida's just got three of these guys right now, so they got to make a decision, and they're going with their younger option. Um, Braden Holtby is out there who won a cup with Washington. He's with Vancouver. I know a lot of people are talking about Ben Bishop. I just don't see Ben Bishop going. I think Ben Bishop's exposed because they wanted that cap relief and they wanted to protect some of their other guys. If he goes, great, but I think he'll be back there. If I'm Seattle, I'm going Carey Price. That's my starter now. And then I'm going to add this this young kid from Florida. And then I might throw in, I wouldn't be surprised if they check in on Ville Huso, right? Like, yeah, but I mean, the, the Blues just have too many good options to go that route. I understand, but I mean, you got to get, so you got to get a really young guy. You got to get a guy who could be a backup, but also a guy who could push for a first starting job so that's where I think that third goalie will come into play but honestly this is the most stacked goaltenders have been in a really long time I mean Vegas wasn't like this I just don't know how you could possibly leave Carey Price on the table like if, if you think this the medical injury is a big deal total that's the big disclaimer here if you think the medicals are okay like not even great maybe he starts the the year and he he's hurt and he's gonna miss the first month of the season whatever Carey Price is too good to allow to just walk you, you you can't allow this to go by the wayside. We've seen for how long now, prior to 2019, the Blues had great teams, excellent teams that were missing one thing. They were missing the franchise-level goalie. Mm-hmm. Well, Carey Price, say what you will about him, and if you think he's a little overrated, whatever, he is absolutely a franchise-caliber, top-five guy in the league when it comes to what who you'd want in net. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. I get that. So What? Like you figure it out. If you have an opportunity to get the one thing, the hardest thing in the sport to find, which is a franchise caliber goalie, and you have the opportunity to do that as an expansion team, this is what gives you the possibility of doing what Vegas did. Like, Will they be that? I don't know, because it's really hard to build a championship caliber team 
in general, much less in your first year of existence. But the hardest piece to find is the piece that just became available to them to the surprise of everybody. Yeah, and that's So why, that's the route I would go. And that's why, VK, I think you go for Carey Price, regardless of the 10 or $11 million cap hit, because guess what? You don't have a salary cap right now, and you got to get to a cap floor. And if I'm starting a team, I'm starting from the net out. And Carey Price is a guy who can basically win you hockey games every single night. Uh, and you just got to put a good. It might de- hurt four years from now. Like that's in play. But you're not worried about that right now. You're an expansion team, and frankly, you you make this move because you're drafting another young goaltender who you feel like can yep. take the net once Carey Price is done. And look at the conundrum Vegas is in right now. They got two guys that are really expensive in between the pipes. But look at what they've done with those two guys that are very expensive. And again, I'm not comparing Carey Price to Mark Andre Fleury, but. If you put a good team in front of Carey Price, as we just saw with the Montreal Canadiens, he can get you to a cup final. And for anybody that's com- talking about the AAV, the, the salary that he makes, look at who just won the, the Stanley Cup. Vasilevsky makes $9.5 million per year. Are you telling me you wouldn't pay an extra million dollars to get the like guarantee of a good goalie? Well, you know the rule. Of course rules. I would. You know the rule, though, BK. If you yeah, make you can't more than, win a Stanley Cup yeah. if you make more than $10 million. That's a rule. I get it. It's nonsense. Like, it's, it's just nonsense. It it will happen. It is going to happen. It did, didn't happen this year. Yeah, it happened. Like, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So if you want to be an expansion team that immediately competes, this is the move. This is the move. He he is a franchise caliber goalie. It'd be like if you were in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers set you up where, you know what, we're going to protect Jordan Love and we're going to leave Aaron Rodgers uh, available. Like if you're if you're the expansion team, you take Aaron Rodgers, you figure it out. Even if he was making 50 million dollars in his salary cap hit, you take him. And if that means that you have to let let it slide a little bit on your third corner. Like, so be it. I'll, I'll take Aaron Rodgers and figure it out from there. It's the same thing for Carey Price. Yes, he's getting a little older. Yes, he has a no move. Yes, he makes $10.5 million per year. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You give me that dude and we'll figure the rest out. At the out end of there. the way, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, and I know we're seeing the text come in, no cups at the end of the day, no cups for Price. Right, but I think we all can agree that they didn't win a cup this year because the offense went dry in that last round. It wasn't Price's fault. They were in the Stanley Cup final because, because of, of Price. Price. And at the end of the day, if I'm winning, if I want to start a team, I'm starting from the net out, and he is the best available goaltender in this expansion draft. There's got to be more to this story. There, there is. has to be. There, there, and whether that's the injuries, yeah. whether that's he wants to go to Seattle, maybe that's part of this. I don't know what it is, but there has to be more to this story because them leaving him exposed in this expansion draft is absolute lunacy if there's not. I think when it comes to this expansion draft, I think a lot of GMs are playing the I dare you to take him. And if that's what's happening, then they're going to get exactly what they deserve. Yep. If if they decided to leave him because they're daring uh, Seattle to to take him. They're daring Seattle them to take should. all that money on, and I think that's going to bite you just like it bit you with Vegas when teams said, I dare you to... Remember Florida telling Vegas, I dare you to take Riley... Or, yeah, I dare you to take Riley Smith. We'll pay you Jonathan Marchessault to take him. Okay, that yeah. that was one of the most productive lines last season in the NHL. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 118. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for in or out. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Love this song. This was for our uh, Blues Icebreakers. We don't have those anymore. 
65780 is the air comfort service X line for in or out. You give us two options or an option. We'll tell you if we are in or out on that scenario. But we have to start things off, Alex. You did a deep dive on easy there. Ben Zobrist's wife and her music career, because earlier today, if you missed it, we were talking about this in the junk drawer. Uh, Ben Zobrist's wife is looking for four million dollars from Zobrist because he decided to quit playing baseball in 2019 instead of continuing because she had an extramarital affair with their priest. He was messed up mentally. He decided, you know what? I can't play baseball. Wait, the priest was messed up mentally? Ben Zobrist was not in the right oh, mental okay. space to go out there and continue playing baseball. I Makes think we sense. can all understand that. And I so be either. he said he lost $200,000 that same year because of his her. interest in helping her progress in her career. Yeah, her unsuccessful career. Well her career so you went to find okay what's she like as a singer she's a singer she's an author she She, does motivation singer here's one of her songs and we've got an in or out based on this in or out (laughs) that's that's talking about the priest affair right in or out that line about lighting a spark the priest lit that spark oh stop alex well no i mean the choices that she made she made a poor choice of cheating on her husband but the reason she did She's was because in the darkness. The, and the priest lit the spark for her in or out that is oh. absolutely about in. the affair absolutely I'm, actually I'm totally to find in. out when that song was released let me double check that well the video on youtube was put up on june 30th of 2016 dang that's been happening a while man ben when you won the, the world series oh that is the season yeah damn Yikes. That was his second in a row, too. I guess a world won back-to-back World Series. I get, that, I get that World Series bonus money lit the spark more than anything. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. All right, let's get some of these from the text line. Guys, in or out, the Blues will win another cup within the next three years. In. I, I think, uh, well, look who you're talking to. Yeah, Mr. Positivity yeah, Mr. on Mr. Positivity the over here. No, in or out, I'm in on this. I mean, you know the window's open. Still open, according to Doug Armstrong. He has to be aggressive because, I mean, frankly, the, the the seven guys that you protected of the last expansion draft, there is no name on that protection list this season. So you are going a complete left turn. But that left turn turned into one Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say in because I think he's going to make some type of significant move from the forward side. I think you upgrade defensively. You're going to have some cap space this season, and you still have Jordan Bennington, Ryan O'Reilly. You still have some of these core pieces in place. So I'm going to say I'm in. I think this will be a big year. Now, don't jump on me when I say oh, this. Oh, come on. But I'm going to say out for it's now. Monday, man. For now. I'm just going to say out for now because I have to see a great offseason from Doug Armstrong for me to buy in. Because we, what have we talked about? We've talked about if he fails this offseason then the window be- gets closer to closing. This is the guy who wants to put everybody in the circle of trust. Mr. Positivity over here. Oh, I, Doug, you gotta show me more. I, I'm sorry, but if, to me, this is one of those off-seasons where Doug Armstrong has to nail it for me to really buy into that the window is still open a lot longer than he's telling us. So I'm gonna say out for now. Now, if he goes and gets like a Landis or a Chuck, then I'm going to buy in. But I have to see it before I'm going to buy into it. I'm in. I think they will win another cup in the next three years. Why not? Why, why not be positive on a Monday morning? <laughs> Let me just go, why not? The positivity costs you nothing, Tanner. Um, I think they have some big moves that are available to them. I mean, we've talked about them. Landis Kachuk. You could go out there, and even if both of those fail, you could try it again next year. You've got other outs, right? If you're playing a game of poker, it's more than just one potential out for you right now. And Doug Armstrong is completely unafraid 
He's unafraid to make that big move. It worked out for him in the past with the Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Tyler Bozak offseason. I think it's going to work out for him again this offseason. I don't know how. And that's something that can be a little, a little concerning, a little troubling whenever you're at the beginning of it. But if he finds a way to remove Vladimir Tarasenko's salary spot from this roster and he's able to then acquire either Landeskog or Kachuk, man, this team suddenly goes from looking like it's in a little bit of a spiral and questioning what the future holds for it to, oh my God, they're right back at the top of the division at a minimum and potentially right back at the top of the league among Stanley Cup contenders. And I think he's going to because, look, you lost Petrangelo and you went for Tory Krug. Now, I know those aren't two of the same things, but Tory Krug was the next best option for mm-hmm. you when Petro walked. Tarasenko's not walking, but you're getting rid of a top goal scorer or once was a top goal scorer, you veer in the same direction and you find the next best option. Now, is that next best option available free agency in Landeskog? Is that next best option available via trade? Ovechkin. No, it's not Ovechkin. He's going back to Washington. Sorry, T-Bone. It'll never happen. But you got to veer in that direction. But it all comes down to that move. If you miss out on Landeskog and you can't pull off a trade and you still lose Tarasenko... Well, you got a lot of answers to be had because otherwise you aren't looking at a team that's going to be contending this year. And I think that's not going to be a pretty picture. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for in or out guys in or out at the end of the season. We're going to buy back into Paul DeYoung as the Cardinals starting shortstop for 2022 and beyond in or out at the end of the year. We're still going to be viewing Paul DeYoung as the Cardinals starting shortstop moving forward. I'll say in because he'll have a protect productive second half. Cardinals will believe in it. But more than anything, he's still cost-controlled. And this is what we've always talked about. I think we've talked so much about trying to trade him because he was struggling, but the cost-effective contract was at least desirable to some Mm -hmm. teams. But I think that contract is going to be desirable to none other than the Cardinals because if they're going to spend money elsewhere, it's probably going to be on a pitcher in the open market. So I'll say him in on this. Oh, man, I hate to be so negative, but I think I'm out. I don't don't think he's going to get back to his form. You've been negative every time. He kind of already has gotten back he, to his He form. kind of has, but it almost feels like a spurt, doesn't it? I mean, it's been, what, two years since we saw the 30 home run Paul DeYoung? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a small sample size. It's not like we're just saying, oh, he went cold for a month. That I would understand. Two years, that seems I mean, different. He, now, granted, he had COVID, so maybe games, there's right? back to that. So. Last year's kind of tough to be able to say that's uh, that's no longer a small sample size because it was 40 games. Whatever, 100 games. But I... I I still think that I think he's better than what we've seen this year, but I don't know if we're ever going to see the 30 home run all-star Paul DeYoung again. I, I don't know if he's that. I, I think, think he might hit 30 home runs this year. Maybe, but what's his, to me, his average, if he's hitting 210, then I get it. The 30 yeah. home runs is nice, but that means he's probably running into something. So I'm with you. I, I tend to agree with your assessment of him. I'm fascinated to see how this plays into his trade value. Like we, he might have a great second half of the season, and then that value is actually up not for the Cardinals, but for somebody else, right? He shows other teams. Maybe it's the Rockies. Maybe it's uh, insert your favorite shortstop here. Like whoever that team is that would like to acquire Paul DeYoung, if he has a good second half, that could be all they need to kind of push them, nudge them in that direction. I'm gonna say out. I think we kind of know what Paul DeYoung is now. And maybe you like what he is. Maybe you like the fact that you've got a 25-plus home run guy at shortstop. But there are some limitations there. I think he's a 230 hitter. He's not going to get on base at a super high clip. And he's going to have a little bit of pop. If you're okay with that as your shortstop moving forward, it's nothing wrong with that. 
I think they could make an upgrade there. I think if you're looking around the diamond right now for the Cardinals, the easiest place to upgrade offensively are at second and shortstop. It's the middle infield. So wherever they decide to do that this offseason, I think that's where they should be looking. So I, I'm going to say I'm out on this. I think it's more likely that there are other teams that are excited about his play in the second half than the Cardinals. Guys, before we go to a break, so I've just looked at the album of Juliana Zobrist. Oh, God. In or out, every one of the, this album was about her affair. Listen to these tongue titles. Shatterproof, The Dawn, Cosmic Sanctuary. That's a good one. <laughs> Jester, Over and Over. <laughs> Oof, that's a rough one. Heartbeat, Promises, and Common Ground. Yikes, I'm sorry, Ben. The writing was on the wall in 2016, buddy. Last one for you here. In or out, Tanner wants to induct three more relievers into the circle of trust by the end of the season. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Really out here saying, according to sources, he's trading prospects the NHL too. Has determined that they're going to take a break for the Olympics next year. You don't according just to dro- what sources? You don't just drop that bomb without Look. citing the sources. I didn't, I didn't have the time to quickly type up on my laptop here. You spend a minute forty five seconds with your Sports Center updates. You got plenty of time. So I just, you know, I look at the article by Greg Wyshynski. Check it out at ESPN.com, and I just read the bold headline. It says sources. So maybe I just you read should prepare a little better for uh, your Sports Center. Updates. Prepare. I was going to say prep. I was going to thin go to prepare. <laughs> Maybe you should do some more math before you go on the air. Well, at least I can do that. All right, that Mongoon. <laughs> Mongoon Ferrario. All three of us have had a rough day today. It's good to be back. Yikes. So that's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll give you your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Black Crows coming up on July trivia? first. Oh, God. No, we're not going to make it that hey, difficult. I was 50% last time. That's pretty good. Speaking of T-Bone. <laughs> what? Steak? He. No. Would like to induct the rest of the Cardinals bullpen into the circle of trust. Let's Seriously. do it. Who do you trust? Probably everyone for Tanner. Tell me who you trust. It's the Cardinals circle of trust with BK and Ferrario. How are we even hearing this right now? Like, come on, man. We can't allow this. Okay, so... The Cardinals bullpen has been better of late. No music been with this? Come on. Team. Andrew Miller. No music bed. Andrew Miller has been fantastic. Okay. Uh, we so far have three guys that are let's, in the circle of trust. Let's chill on fantastic with Andrew Point Miller. 0.73 ERA in his last 12 innings. How many appearances? 12 innings. Uh, the last month and a half. That's six weeks now. Uh, it's pretty good. Pretty wow. good for one Andrew Miller. We so far have three guys that have been inducted. And I think we were right yeah. in only keeping Latino it to the three. Heat. We had a fourth. Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera. We very briefly had a fourth inducted. And then he broke the man. My bad, Helsley. Well, there was that. Jordan Hicks was once upon a time in there as well. So was Tyler Webb. How the hell did we mess that up? Well, he was early on. Uh, (laughs) He's no longer with us. Uh, Whoa, he's gone? The Cardinals. Oh, okay. Generic Angels. If you you say Justin Miller... You will be oh, cut. He does have a Tanner, save. this is your opportunity to state your case. I don't have anybody else that I want to induct into the Cardinals uh, circle of trust. I have one that I will hear. Okay. I am playing Switzerland here. Oh. I'm neutral. I'm just an observer. I'm more, more than happy to hear your case for a Cardinals reliever that deserves to be in the circle of trust. I didn't know you were Swiss. A little bit. Tanner, do you have... I'm playing Italy here. One or multiple guys that you would like to make the case for. 
Oh, well, I have one. I can okay. maybe make a second one. But Ryan Helsley needs to be back in the circle, guys. I get it. We put him in. Then he, has he fell apart. He a five apart. ERA, man. He may have a five from ERA. from one start after but, T-Bone put him in the first time. But he's kind of a specialist. And before I get into his specialist numbers, since June, 16 and the third innings pitch, 2.2 ERA. Oh, we're about to nerd out right Opponents now, Opponents are hitting we? 155, OPS 562. How about that? But the reason I it's say he's good. a specialist is because I don't know what it is, but he apparently can only pitch when runners are on that he inherits. Because <laughs> yeah, so far this season... bases loaded and he turns into Cy Young out there. You look at Saturday's game against the Giants. He comes in clean inning. They didn't go to the Latina Heat for some reason, which was weird. He only got one out allowed, I think, two walks and a base hit. Oh, let's put him in the circle then. Yeah, but... But when he comes in on Sunday, runners at the corners, nobody out. He gets out of the jam without allowing a run. Helsley now has only allowed four of 25 inherited runners to score this season, which is third best in the National League. Let's put him in the circle, boys. You know, I heard. So this was the one, BK, that I was willing to listen to. Because after watching him yesterday, I'm like, okay, this guy might deserve to be back in the circle. Because that was a huge inning for him to get through. But he actually just sold me on the other side now, T Bone. So congrats, you just made me keep him out of the circle. How is that possible? Because you're you're wanting to put a you're wanting to put a guy in the circle of trust who's only good when he gets into a tight situation. You need weren't someone you, like that. Weren't you complaining about John Gant who did that yep. for so long? John Gant puts himself into that. Yeah, situation. but he was a starter. You give him the luxury of getting out of those jams. If you get a bullpen guy who can't get out of a clean inning because there's nobody on base. No, I'm not but taking I don't, that chance. I don't need him to be that guy. I need someone that I have faith in. If, like, yesterday, Wade LeBlanc, we think we're going to try and stretch him through the fifth inning. He runs into – he gets gassed. Runners get on at the corners. Who am I going to turn to? I'm going to go to a guy that I know has been successful in getting inherited runners out. It's like Seth Maness. No. Maness was successful when he had uh, a clean inning, but he was also the guy that you'd go to and say, all right, we need that double play ball. Let's go to him. Helsley's a specialist. Think of the three that are in the circle right now, though, and you're going to put him who can't get in a I, clean inning. I, when I sent the text yesterday, I said, do we have room for a specialist? No. This I is a circle a of trust. This isn't a circle of... Well, there's a reason you didn't get Majority rules in the circle of trust. I, yes, sir. Katie Wu said she would vote for it, by the way. Well, wasn't on air. Thanks, so. Katie Wu. I would not have Ryan Helsley in my circle of trust. When he comes into the game... <laughs> I wouldn't either. I, I don't have that kind of belief that he's going to be able to get through a clean inning. I would be more likely to include Andrew Miller in my circle of trust right now yeah, than Ryan Helsley. I didn't know what those numbers were. Now that you said that, it's like I, I probably would be more willing with that one. I... I in the last 30 days, now it's only eight appearances. It's it's a limited sample here. Yeah. Uh, he has a 1-5 ERA. He's thrown six innings. He's been outstanding. Like Andrew Miller, if the Cardinals became a seller for whatever reason, I don't think they will. But if they did in the next 11 days, Andrew Miller would be a piece that other teams would be calling about because he's going to be a free agent after the end of the season. Everybody wants a left-handed reliever that can come in and get guys out. Andrew Miller has been that player since returning as a healthy reliever for the Cardinals. So, I'm not going to vote him into the circle of trust, but if he does this up until the end of the month, yep. I think at that point we have to induct Andrew Miller into the circle I'm of trust. I'm with you there. Can I tell you why I, do, I would not vote for him at least right now? Is because I just mentioned the inherited runners with Ryan Helsley. Andrew Miller, and my gut kind of told me this, was that he's not been good with inherited runners. Four of nine have come in to score against Andrew Miller. Yeah, but that's fine. But if he's starting with a clean inning and he gets through that clean inning, that, I mean, that's been... that's. See, like, that's where I don't understand where you're coming from because I don't want a guy who can only come in with guys on base. Here's the way I view it is because I'm going to take the LeBlanc situation again from yesterday. The fifth inning is when he runs into trouble. Helsley gets you out of that fifth inning. Then you can turn to a Miller for the sixth who's a good guy with a clean inning. 
Helsley's good when runners are on. I don't know how, because that feels really weird to say, but he's kind of a specialist. So is Miller. Miller used to be, well, I guess, no, he didn't. But I was going to say a left-hander yeah. is usually a specialist Cleveland against left-handed by using him three innings. Yeah, too much. I, I think Ryan Helsley is the specialist, the go-to guy if you need to get out of a jam because you thought you could get the starter through another inning or the starter just runs out of gas. I think Ryan Helsley's the guy. a little lucky. I think there's wow. something to that Gotta where throw out the L word. Well, he he's not striking guys out. He is walking a ton of batters, and when you have that combination, we saw it with John Gant. It eventually comes back to get you. Yeah. Did you hear the batting average against numbers? Yeah, yeah. we were doing that with John Gant too, and look where that got His us. His batting average on balls in play in this time is like 210. Uh, it's completely unsustainable, especially given the way that he pitches. I think Ryan Helsley has been better. Like the numbers would certainly indicate that he's been better overall. Show me more. I, I yeah, I, I need to see more. I need to see another couple of weeks. If Andrew Miller and Ryan Helsley continue doing this going up into the trade deadline, yeah. we can have another conversation, and maybe at that point we can talk about inducting them into the Cardinal Circle of so, Trust. So T Bone presents Ryan Helsley into the circle. All I'm in out. favor. I okay. Well, I'll oppose say no. There. I'm a no. Actually, from three one four makes a great point. Tanner probably would vote Mrs. Sobers in the circle of trust. Oh, oh, come on no, now, she, come no. on now, guys. Can she throw? I uh, <laughs> real real quick on Ryan Helsley though. We're probably gonna have this conversation again tomorrow because he's he's your more than likely your closer tonight. Who is closing? The Justin game Miller, boys. Oh, maybe. Oh, Let's honestly, go. then yeah, he might be in the circle tomorrow Actually, too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Two for two saves. He's chasing Alex Reyes' record. Yeah, he's coming for him. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we're going to cross things over with the fast lane, and we will give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Black Crows next Saturday night. You'll have your chance next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Boy, it has been a show today, and if you missed any of it, you could check out the podcast page if that's a thing you want to do. It's over at 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. Please we do weren't it. great, but Greg Wyshynski and Katie Wu were. It's all presented by I Promise. Hey, by the way, we've got your opportunity right now to win a free pair of lawn tickets when? to the Black Crows. It's next Saturday night. Oh, okay. Next question. Where? It's at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Who Thanks is for it? playing along. Who is it? The Black Crows. I thought I said that already. No, he didn't. Thanks for listening to the show, man. No, I didn't hear him say that. Well, I was just making sure they heard it. Shake your moneymaker, Alex. At the at the Black Crows? They're playing all of that in its entirety. Uh, tickets oh, to see song? the Black Crows are on sale right now. You can check it out at 101ESPN.com <laughs> and the 101 mobile app. Going to power through this for you, boys. Jamie, check out uh, Ben Zobris' ex-wife's new album. It's great. It's I great, think check great. her out. Okay. I think everybody Texture has. number six at the Air Comfort Service Tax Line 65780. <laughs> who can tell us how much money... Ben Zobra's wife is trying to get out of him. And who can name a song from Ben Zobra's no, wife? No, no, you don't have to do oh, that. How on. much money is she trying to get from him in court right now? If you have the answer to that in your texter number 6 at 65780, you will win a pair of tickets to the Black Crows. Jamie Rivers is in studio with us. God bless him. How you doing today, man? Good. How's everybody doing here? I, I, I uh, heard about Greg Wyshynski thinking that uh, Zach, yeah. Sanford. Zach Sanford's going to be the steal bomb. of the draft, huh? 
Wow. Dropped a bomb. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to disagree on that assessment. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of some hot takes, but and BK, you know that. Um, but uh, what? <laughs> he knows all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the old puck soup or puck daddy, whatever he used to be. Uh, I'm not sure about this one. Unless you, pay, unless you pay Seattle an awful lot to take Zach Sanford. Yeah. I don't think Doug Armstrong's going to be doing that. You would do that if it was a player who had a bad contract, right? But that's the problem is Zach Sanford doesn't have an overbearing no. financial contract, so why would you pay anything? You wouldn't. I mean, you unless wouldn't. you were it's desperate for forwards. Thank them. So I have a, a million different questions. I'm sure you guys are going to talk a bunch about those on the blue side of things throughout the show today, Jamie. So I'm not. we'll just we'll allow you to do that from 2 to 6. Looking forward to it. I'll be locked in. Can I ask you about this Carey Price thing? Sure. What, what are what what's Montreal doing? He's very well, angry. No, here's the it deal. It seems crazy to me unless there's something that we don't know, which is totally in play. But it seems crazy to me that they're allowing Carey Price to be available in this. It's a gamble, for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't quite understand Mark Bergevin's thought process on this because you know initially it's well if we expose Jake Allen, we think that. Seattle's going to take Jake Allen. There goes our backup plan. So that would tell me a couple things. One, maybe Carey Price is hurt, like a lot more serious than we think, because he's valuing Jake Allen as being the number one guy. And if that's the case, then maybe Seattle doesn't touch him with a twenty foot pole, depending sure. on what the actual injury is. Uh, otherwise, I don't, I don't see how it makes any sense, right? But uh, so Bergey is gambling a little bit that Seattle maybe gets a little scared of the injury report or. Or the money. I don't see the money being a big deal. If you look at the the last part of the contract, where you're going to pay a lot of money as it is. Is he an aging goalie? Yeah, he is. Is he in is good shape, as good a shape as Marc-Andre Fleury? No, he's not. They don't mean like physical conditioning. I'm talking about just being healthy yeah, from yeah. injuries. So yeah, there's risk involved. I think it's, it's a smart move by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I don't think that Seattle will take Carey Price. Really? That's crazy. I think Seattle will live to regret that. Available, That's true. We were talking Take about that earlier. Take a good look, man. There's good, healthy goalies available. There's some younger guys that are available that are good goalies. I was just telling BK, like, the one that got me was the fact that Minnesota protects Cam Talbot and they leave Capo Kakinen available. Yeah, I see that one, though, a little more. When you... felt, I mean, he was in the Calder race for a while there. Yeah, he was. I mean, he had a string of, like, seven or eight good games in a row, and he is a bright, he's got a bright future ahead yeah. of him. But you look across the board, and there's a lot of goaltending yep, available. Yeah. A oh, lot. The guy from Florida is the one that's been rumored. They're already talking to him. But, like, that's the thing. You can draft. Like, Vegas drafted Flurry. They had Malcolm Subban. They, they basically drafted, like, four or five goaltenders in their system. They flipped a couple of them. But, I mean, Malcolm Subban was there for a pretty long time as the backup goaltender. So, I mean, you could draft three or four guys and put two in the minors and have them grow. And the next thing you know, you got guys who can be starters for you in five years. Yeah, and you can also take a look across the league. And this is what you have a good staff for is who is looking for what in the offseason. Yeah. And how appealing would player X, Y, or Z be? And you know what? Sometimes you're just picking a guy not because you think he's going to be a great Seattle Kraken player, but you think, man, the Philadelphia Flyers or the New York Rangers really want this mm. type of player. Mm. So therefore, uh, interesting is team. A, is that a new sound effect? Maybe you, uh, mm. maybe you take a player and then you flip that player, and maybe, maybe they've got eat, a pretty significant, sizable contract, and then maybe you eat some of the salary mm. to help out the team that you're dealing with, and then you get a good player in return too. Yeah, maybe an asset, maybe a yeah. pick. 
maybe even a good player, maybe a real good hockey trade player for player, but okay. you're absorbing some salary. You, you two are on a nice wavelength. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell both of you are going. Right? I, I bet either. you they're going to talk about I mean, it today on the fast line. You know? It is. It's Jamie, a it's Jamie, a real hypothetical scenario. Jamie, you never live in a hypothetical world, you winker. Yeah, I remember last off season. Yeah, he just kept winking we at us. the shows, and he would ask a That's guest a like, "Hey, you know what about Henrik Lundqvist? Could he be of interest for the Blues?" Wink, if, wink. Uh, if the Blues decided to go down that market, and I was like, "What?" And then what? and then he goes, "What, what do you about mean, a guy, Henrik uh, a guy who's been to Cup Finals before? Maybe won a Cup? Is it Dano Char who's a free agent? Maybe yeah, he, did the Blues he... look in on that one? Wink, wink." They like, did. They did. He didn't want to leave these. This toast. guy over here. I was like, wow, okay. So Zanano Chara and Henrik Lundqvist. I'll go ahead and write those names <laughs> down. Be interested. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm, a, I'm sure you guys are going to be talking about those hypothetical scenarios of yes. maybe the Kraken taking maybe. a player and flipping him. Correct. Maybe. What else is coming up today from 2 to 6 on the fast lane? Well, we're going to certainly talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. I, don't, I can't figure this team out. They, they beat teams they shouldn't, and they lose to teams that they should beat, and then they... They win games with no offense, yet the offense fails them at other times, and they make some pitchers look like Cy Young out there. I don't know. It's very confusing, but we're going to have BT in the house for that. He's going to break that down for us. We're certainly going to hit a lot of the blues stuff, and we're going to get into a couple of fun things, too, with the NFL. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 on 101 ESPN. By the way, huge congrats to Jeff from Festus. He was our winner today of the pair of tickets to see the Black Crows. Fastlane's coming up next. No. Like, would that be the title of your book? How I got closer to God. <laughs> You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.